making some pals and there's also therapy too. All right, everybody. Welcome to Park Pals. Thank you so much for being here. So good to have you with us. Exciting day ahead Exciting. for you all. Oh my God. We have such a moment for you today. Today we talked to our very first director and yes. it, it was just such a dream. It really truly was. Uh, Alex Hardcastle directed Practice Date and... Uh, Leslie's house which we just talked about and I do feel I have to preface a couple things number one is that I felt like a lot of my questions at the end there like in the last 20 minutes were very random they were just like questions that were coming off the top of my head but I'm really glad that he rolled with it and he seemed very open to answering them <laughs> what's the best way for it to happen to right genuinely and like it just came out of other things he had been talking about so I think it was perfect yeah that's true that's true um and then I was making kind of a mental note of things we talked about uh, during the episode that maybe you might not know off the top of your head. Um, he mentions that he really uh, is a huge fan of Blake Lee. He plays one of April's boyfriends, just FYI. Um, the other guy is Josh Dumendek, who's also really great. But uh, Alex worked with Blake, I believe, on a project. Mixology. Yes, Mixology. And they uh, really hit it off. So that was awesome. Uh, and then we also talked about, we talked about Marta a lot. Uh, and Marta is... Is Marta Kaufman, who uh, created Friends and was the also the creator of Grace and Frankie, which um, I mean, Marta created it along with Kevin Bright and David Crane for Friends. But uh, Grace and Frankie was also um, by Marta. So that's why we talked about her, um, because they've talked you know, obviously work together and everything. So, and he's a friend of friend, a, a fan of friends. <laughs> I was going to say a friend of fans. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's who Marta is. And then I think there might've been a couple other little things in there that were weird. Um, but I think that everything else kind of made sense. And I'm yeah. glad that we got to nerd out with him about being a director because I, like we talked about, we had a lot of directing questions. It wasn't just about Parks and Rec. It was kind of about um, like if you were to, if you needed advice on how to be a director um, or just like tips and tricks and things that he's learned along the way and funny tidbits. Like I loved all his anecdotes that he had to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super fun. It was a great time. Super thoughtful. I cannot get over how thoughtful he was in like the mm -hmm. way that he phrased things. Um, I will say it in the outro, but I'm saying it again. I'm smitten. <laughs> I'm a smitten <laughs> kitten. No, he was. I thought it was really funny too because he was like, maybe he don't want me to say this, but he was like taking his laptop and like he moved over to the couch and he was like turning on his lamps and then he was like moving around yeah. and I was so into that. Yeah, he was chill. He was so chill. Yeah. He was like, we're just hanging out, which is the yeah, best part. I like it. That's what we mean for it to be anyway exactly so. it's just a combo but yeah anyway well um we are actually recording this on veterans day so our heart and our thoughts and our love goes to, out to all the soldiers today um mm -hmm. and we will see you in december because we're going to take next week off for thanksgiving so we hope you have a lovely thanksgiving but um yeah maddie do you have anything else that you'd like to say no uh, enjoy your your week off from us and some time with family and hopefully a little bit of a break from work. Yes. Hopefully everyone gets a little bit of a break. Um, I'm in such a better mood <laughs> after I know, right? having talked to him. It was, it's incredible. There was just, uh, I could not have asked for more with our first director guest. So, um, yeah. but yeah, well, thank you so much again for listening and um, please sit back, relax and enjoy our conversation with Alex Hardcastle. Parkinson pals and there's also therapy too. 
Hello. Hi, hi. Can you hear me? I can,、yes. and I can see you now. Yay! Yay! Hi. How are you? Oh my gosh, so good! We're so excited that you could come on today. This is so exciting for us. Oh, yes,、I'm, thank you. Oh well, no, not at all. I'm thrilled to be、um, to be chatting with you guys. Yes, how's your day going so far? It's good. It's good. It's been busy. I'm making a movie at the moment with、um, Rebel Wilson.、Um, oh yes, I saw that. I follow. Well, I follow you and Rebel, obviously. But oh my gosh, <laughs> I saw that. Oh, so great! I'm so excited. When does that come out? I think it comes out in March on Netflix. And okay,、um, it's really fun. It's great. It's a really cool,、uh, exciting, high concept high school comedy、um, with Rebel going back to complete her senior year, aged age thirty seven. So it's pretty.、Um, It's pretty funny. That's amazing. That's、awesome. I watched that one film that she was in.、Uh, actually, I watched on the plane, which obviously sounds terrible because you don't watch. Like people think that you don't watch <laughs> things on the planes, but a lot of times it's just because I actually have time to watch it. It's not because it's a bad plane movie or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that one、yeah. movie that she's in with what's his name, the Hemsworth, one of the Hemsworths.、Um, oh yeah,、like、isn't a- it romantic? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. I am、good. obsessed with that movie. It was so cute, good, right? right? It was like the ending too, with the whole big dance number. I was so shook with it. I love it. It was really fun, <laughs> and in fact, Willie, the guy. So, do you remember the guy who played her gay best friend in it? Yes. He's he's an actor called Brandon Scott Jones, who's lovely. So Brandon wrote the film that we just we just did. No,、oh, cool. that's him. He was phenomenal. The way he like turned his serious. A、uh, serious tone on, like in the switch、yeah. of a dime, and then like it's this big, huge monologue of him being serious, and he goes right back into the comedy. I'm like, what the hell just happened? He it was perfect. <laughs> he, he's great, and he's in he's in this movie as well. He wrote it and he's in it.、Um, Yay! What's、uh, it called again? It's called Senior Year. Okay, Senior Year. Everybody,、yeah. look out for Senior Year. Yeah, it's gonna be good. There's Rebel, Sam Richardson,、um, Alicia Silverstone.、Uh, wow, like, big cast.、Uh, Justin Hartley.、Um, Uh, Mary Holland,、uh, Zoe Chow,、um, a lot of a lot of great people. Very excited. That's so cool. And you just wrapped on Grace and Frankie as well. Congratulations! I did. Thank you. Yeah, we just did the finale of that, which was really fun and sort of somewhat. You know, there were some tears.、Um, uh, yeah. You know, it's been seven years with those guys, and and you know who. Who knows whether I'll be working with you know Jane or Lily again? I would love to, but you know you never know. Working with these Oscar winners is you know a real <laughs> blessing for me.、Mm. Yeah,、so. I actually follow、um, or I listen to June Diane Rayfield's、um, podcast with、uh, Jessica Saint Clair, who was both of them were on Parks, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, but she was talking. June was talking about it、uh, about Grace and Frankie and how she was like, "I feel like I'm really upset and sad." And I was like, "Of course you are, baby girl." <laughs> you know, she's, she's so funny on the show. She's just like a comedy machine. I love June. Me so, too. Me too. So talented.、Um, Quick question: Are we doing? Vi- We're not doing video, right? This is just an audio. No,、right. I might like. I'll grab a picture to post on Instagram or whatever. But、uh, okay, but no, we're not doing、cool. video. It's just. So I, I can pick my nose.、Uh, <laughs> yes,、exactly. I'll probably tell everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and、uh, yeah, is there anything before we before we do the interview? Is there anything that I should?、Um, uh, is there anything I should be like aware of or anything? 
No, no. Um, we're basically just going to talk about the two that you directed, but we're also really interested because you're our first director that we've had, and we are super stoked. It's been on my wish list for a very long time to talk about especially like technicalities with directing, but also just in general with the mockumentary style. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have some like nerdy questions or what <laughs> we would consider nerdy questions that I hope that you'll uh, indulge us in geeking out over. <laughs> you might not have the answers, but yeah, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try. I will definitely. But no, thank you for asking. Um, I did hear that you watched the two shows that you directed or two episodes that you directed and it brought it all back. So I'm super excited to like get into the nitty gritty of it because yeah. we just did um, we just did Leslie's House. We just uh, released that podcast. So we're super excited. But I, I'm kind of going off the beaten path here because usually I start with like how you got to Parks and Rec and everything. But I feel like it it bodes well for me to ask like how you started directing first. Like what yeah. was your first ever thing and like how did you get to the directing part and was that um, something that you always wanted to do? Like walk us through that. Definitely. Yeah. My So I did. I did. It is, you know, very much it's I know it's kind of a um, what's the word? A um, a what is the word I'm looking for? Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to edit out the bad stuff, out. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. Um, very I good know at that. it is really uh, predictable, but um, much like, uh, you know, many, many directors, I, I, when I was a kid, I used to do, I used to have a video camera and we used to do a lot of sketch comedy. Um, sure. It was probably terrible, but it was immense fun. And so I think I knew from a young, young age that I really enjoyed it. But when I left university in the UK, um, <clears throat> I, I became a producer. Well, I actually became a researcher first and then a producer. Um, oh, okay. And so that was very, it was really fun. I did a lot of stuff working with great stand-ups, with great actors, with, you know, all, all kinds of amazing musicians. I worked with, you know, the Elton John and the Spice Girls and, oh, Buzz wow. and all these great people. Um, but and that was all in the UK? That was all in the UK. Okay, but okay. in my heart of hearts, I knew that I really wanted to direct. Um, so... Eventually, when I was, I guess, I, I don't know, after maybe seven or eight years of producing, I spent some money. I, I wrote a short film, <clears throat> which is not great, um, <laughs> but it's out there somewhere. Um, I made this short film and, um, you know, for maybe $10,000 or something like that. And it turned out fine. I mean, relatively. And from that, I managed to get um, a a kind of comedy drama in the UK called Lead Balloon that was great. It's kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it did really well in the UK and it won, it won some awards, I think, or, or got nominated for awards, I can't remember. Um, and then at the same time, I also did a multicam, which is obviously is a very different type of directing, right. um, on BBC One. And that was another show that is still on, actually. It's on its, I think, 13th season or something. Um, which one is it? It's called Not Going Out. Um, oh, okay, okay. It's pretty funny. Um, and from the success done. of those two shows, I got approached and asked to come over to um, work for Universal. And so I did, and hence hence Parks and Recreation and The Office and um, a bunch of other shows, um, which was really fun. So that's kind of my, that's my directing journey. Yeah. Well, did you, when you say that you got approached by Universal, was that in the UK or is that here? No, it was here. I had an American agent already. And and I think oh, okay. that it was through, they'd seen the success of the, the two English shows, though. Um, and they had, I think... It, but then the head of comedy or whoever it was at Universal had said, had asked some of her people to, um, she said, I like these two shows, find out who the two directors are. And they came back and they were like, essentially the same director. And she was like, oh, okay, weird. Well, we should hire him then. So yeah, yeah I, know. I, got, cool. I got very lucky, I think. So um, it was a good, it was a good smooth transition, actually, I have to say. And since then I sort of 
I've almost not come back to the UK. Occasionally I do projects in, in the UK. I yeah. do a really interesting, strange, um, kind of almost like gothic horror thing with Daniel Radcliffe and John Hamm. Um, we actually just talked yeah. about that. We were going to, I did a very poor job of explaining what it is <laughs> because I've watched it. I haven't watched all of it, but, um, but yeah, it's so different. And, and I was kind of explaining too how Daniel Radcliffe especially is, has been known since after Harry Potter to like take on roles that are not Harry Potter at all. You know definitely. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So He's so great and he's so fun in it, but it was definitely, you know, there was a challenge. It was, there were Daniel and John Radcliffe, yeah, sorry, Daniel Radcliffe. And John Daniel. Radcliffe. <laughs> Both be the same character at different times in their life. And that, right. I mean, without being, you know, indiscreet, um, Daniel Radcliffe's not the tallest man. And John Hamm is, you know, a good six feet three. So that was, it presented, and obviously the different nationalities, it presented some challenges. Um, but it was fun. Mm. People really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, that was the only, that's the only time really I go back to the UK occasionally to do fun, interesting, quirky projects like that. Yeah. Well, were you studying this as well? Like at university, you said is yes. what you were, and that's where the sketch stuff was. Or no, the sketch stuff was before. The sketch stuff was when I was a teenager. At university, I studied architecture and history, um, oh. but then I did actually study directing. I skipped over that bit. Um, I went to the BBC <laughs> for directing, um, and that taught me a lot. Um, and I think that you know, if there are other potential directors out there listening to this i would i would definitely recommend doing some form of film school if you can because the thing the thing that they teach you doesn't isn't necessarily um i don't know it isn't even necessarily the technique because you can use so many different techniques they can never sure. really touch on that and certainly not really the aesthetic or or indeed the sort of um uh what's the word i'm looking for like the nuance but what it does does teach you is how all of the departments work and the bbc one's great because they make you work on sound for a day and mm. costume design for a day and makeup for a day and, you know, camera for a day and, and whatever. And so you learn very quickly to respect and understand each individual person's job and how complicated they are, which I think is really valuable. And then hopefully makes you a better kind of team leader when it comes to directing many, you know, these lots of cogs whirring around that, that make a TV show. Yeah, definitely, because you're wearing so many different hats, I feel, as a director, you know what I mean? So, like, it really helps. I mean, I always say that, too. It's just, like, every um, person should work in the service industry at some point in their life. Like, every yeah. person on set should kind of know what everyone else has to do or put up with so that they can be mm -hmm. a little more empathetic and just keep the wheel turning, so to speak, you know? And the lingo, right? Like, it helps to be able to talk, like... In, in a way that you're going to understand each other probably too. Yeah, 100%. Um, hold on, I'm just going to turn my messages off because they're beeping and that's not... <laughs> Distracting. Um, sorry, sorry, this can be... No, you're back. good. It's all good. Um, they couldn't hear it, so you're fine. <laughs> okay, good. And feel free, if you feel like my answers are too long or not clear, just tell me to do it again. It's oh my God, you're so funny. <laughs> you're no, this is, no, this is great. We're just having a conversation. Okay, <laughs> we like I the authentic. Also, I love long answers. I oh, love you do? I ask long questions. I know that sounds like wild, but this is the platform to do it. You know what I mean? Like we That's can true, go for as long as we want. <laughs> That's true. I feel like in comedy, all I ever do is spend my whole time trying to cut stuff down. I like, know it. Yeah. I understand. I know. I get it. I get it. I've Time never had a cut in come short ever. I'm sorry. I've never had a cut cut come in under ever. Right. I feel like yeah. Or like on time. Yeah. No, not even close to on time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long, my cuts. So anyway, that's why. But I yeah, understanding the lingo, it would definitely make a lot of difference, I feel. 
Um, yeah, definitely, 100%. And I think also there's some, there is some difference between how the UK and the US film industry works. So I, that was definitely a little mm-hmm. bit of a, an awakening for me. Not, not a huge one, but like the role of producer and director are different in the UK and the US. Um, okay. So that's kind of interesting and is, was, you know, definitely a surprise to me. Um, yeah. And, and there are, there's various terminology and things that are different. And also there's a lot more money in the American film business. I feel like in, in the UK, we make everything work with, you know, a couple of bits of glue and some cardboard. <laughs> and whereas I think in the US, they spend real money and make stuff look you know, Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so you're at, or, or Universal has contacted you. Now, yeah. what is the first thing that Universal asks you to do or what kind of happens after they contact you? So I think the first thing they asked me to do is a multicam um, called a failed multicam called a hundred questions for Charlotte Payne, um, which was with, do you know the actor, David Walton? I don't. It was David Walton. You'd recognize him. He's super handsome, very funny guy. Um, David Walton, Colette Wolf. um, And I can't remember who, Oh, Chris Moynihan wrote it. Anyway, um, we did that. It was, I think that was not very successful. And I think from there, we were actually shared an office with Parks and Rec. Um, oh. so, or like we shared a building we were like one sure. floor was him and one floor was us and from there they I think it was while I was working there that they said do you want to go upstairs and and talk to um, Greg Daniels and and um, Dan about maybe maybe doing Parks and Rec so I think probably on my lunch break or something like that <laughs> I went upstairs and talked to them and, and they were like yeah you should come you should come do it <gasps> that's amazing cool. okay wait so this is uh, i should know this because of research but parks and, like the two that you directed yeah. uh coincided with the office meaning that they were at the same like the office was airing at the same time as parks you know, and that's a good, time. it was airing at the same time i don't i actually don't remember which show i directed first i'm gonna say it was parks and rack i think it was i think it was okay because the christening is a little bit la- later mm-hmm. in the office like a yeah. lot later season I feel. six or seven yeah, yeah. yeah. and rashida right. had already left to go right. do Parks and Rec. Um, yes, so that's I right. Think you, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then did you get to pick which episode you directed or were they kind of like, hey, we've got a spot open? Kind of yeah, thing, no, or? they literally just tell you that you don't even know what script you're going to get. You literally just agreed to do an episode and they just tell you the dates. You don't know what episode number it is or what the script is wow. or any of it will be um, until, you know, usually just before you turn up in the office or sometimes after you've turned up in the office when you're given the script and you're like, Oh, great. And this is, you know, this is amazing. So certainly in the case of practice day, I was, I immediately loved that script. I was just like, this is so funny. And I wish she was the biggest fan of Amy. And I I don't know if I'd seen season one of of Parks and Rec. I I feel like I probably hadn't. It slipped under the radar for quite a few people. It did. And although Amy was definitely very high on my list of the funniest women in America and remained mm-hmm. at the very top of that list, um, I think that, um, yeah, I think I haven't seen it. And so, and obviously season two, when I started it, nothing had even been finished. It was, you know, I was doing episode four, but that was only a week into them starting, you know, sort of they're, they're probably in their very beginnings of, of filming nothing. You know, there'd be no edits out of any of the other shows. So, right. So, you know, the only thing I could look at was season one. And I think you studied it much more than I have. But I believe, from what I understand, season one had a slightly shaky start. And then season two really started to to take off, which is great. Well, as we know, ratings don't really mean a ton. But, yeah, they're rating. Well, not at the time it did, obviously. But 
clearly it doesn't matter in this grand scheme of things because people loved Parks and Rec or love it still to this day. But I feel like the first season, people were comparing it so heavily to The Office as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember Amy Poehler kind of like talking about that in a lot of behind the scenes videos that I've seen where she was just like, people were expecting me to be Michael Scott, basically. And then when they learned that I wasn't they had to get some like used to it and it, it is a different tone like it's the same creators and it's the same like you know energy but it's it's there it's very different so I think people just needed to get used to it and that's I definitely it. agree with that I think Parks and Rec and, and I'd actually forgotten how unbelievably sweet and warm it is you know watching it again last night I just I take my hat off to those guys for creating a comedy that has so much positivity and heart and relatability and is never once seems to stoop low or be mean mm-hmm. or mean spirited or laugh at other people's expense. So I just thought it was, and I still think it stands out as one of those comedies that's just delightfully, delightfully gentle and wonderful. And I, I really respect that so much. And that wasn't mm-hmm. quite, you know, I wouldn't say that was necessarily true of The Office. Um, I think the Fox yeah. and Rec has a unique warmth and. It's just a, a lovability about it that, that I do too. You know, I think yeah. is incredible. I totally I think agree they almost you. learned from The Office, right? Because one of the big complaints that The Office had in the first season or two is how harsh Michael Scott is and how like he makes you cringe like sometimes with what he says. And I think they kind of were like, Okay, we're gonna stick away from that kind of the brutality of some of the things that Michael says, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. like, no. Yeah, I feel like Leslie Nope would never say anything bad about anybody ever. Um, <laughs> and But she would, you know, she would get her point. She doesn't like, mean to. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but she was, boy, like, I felt like she always, you know, she wasn't somebody who got, but she was just so determined. And she always sort of got her own way, but she did it in the best well, not necessarily the best possible way, but like in the <laughs> kindest possible way. Right. What she thought was right and fair and mm-hmm. just. <laughs> exactly. Often wildly misguided. Um, oh, right. Yeah, that's why we all adore her so much. Exactly. Well, so speaking of Leslie's house, though, when you were talking about the script, um, that was actually one of my questions, like, how far in advance do you get the script? I know you said, like, when you roll up in the office, that's like, this is your script to the end kind of thing. But like, how far in advance is that before you start shooting? And how far in advance, I guess, do you have before you get to set? Yeah. So you have it's a very in with the with the sort of um, network system that this was obviously in the day. It's a pretty sort of simple kind of thing it's basically like a week on uh, which is where you are doing prep pre-prep sorry and what so you're doing uh, well prep and pre-prep so you're, you're reading the script casting the actors um you know talking to the creator scouting locations talking to the wardrobe people everybody else you need to speak to um gotcha. and then a week of shooting and then a week of post so it's kind of just like a week a week a week um, Got it. Okay. so it basically with any of these half hours they essentially reflect three weeks of Specifically, only the director's work, if that makes sense. Like everybody else is on it the whole time, but we're yeah. we're on it for you know just those just those three weeks. So I guess right. in the case of season two, I did two, and so they probably I don't remember quite how they fitted together, but I you know that means I was I guess with them for six weeks. Yeah. And how is that? Because I've, you know, I listen to a lot of um, podcasts, like speaking of you know just rewatch shows, but also they speak of how kind of as a guest director you're supposed to be their boss but yet you don't kind of like know them or their tone yet so like how was that kind of vibe and I mean is it different on this show versus you know any other show that you might have worked on uh and 
I guess just like melding with the characters and, yeah. and the crew and the cast? That's a good question. I think that in general, it is a very difficult job, actually. I think it's also, it, it's it's extremely hard because you are trying to sort of, as whoever it was you, was, you were talking about said, you, you are essentially kind of their boss on the day and you're definitely yeah. responsible for sort of ensuring that the, the, the circus performs in a certain direction. <laughs> um, but you also, you don't know them. And so it can be, it can be tricky. I actually knew Rashida before, oh, okay. before I started filming Parks and Rec. She knew everybody. I know. <laughs> I'm finding. I love her. Um, so I knew Rashida and you get to meet all of the cast before by and large. So that, which is helpful. Oh, that's good. I will say that Parks and Rec sticks in my brain as one of the most friendly and welcome and open cast I've ever worked with and I also take my hat off to pretty much all of the Americans I've ever worked with especially the bigger the, honestly the bigger the talent the easier they are to work with um, specifically with regard to Amy to Steve Carell to Robin Williams any of them the fact that they were so open and wanted notes and wanted ideas and would take mm-hmm. jokes or physical pitches or anything is really incredible to me because it would be so easy for them to go what? Why am I listening to you? I'm yeah, like, no, thank you. But, yeah. but these people, the reason why they do so well, I think, is because they assimilate. Well, first of all, they're uniquely gifted, but also they assimilate everybody's idea. They listen to everyone and they're kind. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, and, and, and I would say that that was absolutely true of Amy. And Amy led from the top and led by example. And she and I got on so well. And I think Aww. you can really see, not, not so much perhaps in, in Leslie's house, but in practice day, I think you all of the time she was doing those English accents, which is quite a few times, I think was because of me. Um, and she would spend quite a lot of her time imitating me on set. Oh my so God. I think that's why when you hear well, her go, a good lady. Um, lady. Yeah, exactly. And let's put, so let's put a, what did she say? Something about like, put up something in the Beatles record and go down the pub. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was all improvised. Of course it was. You know, know, I I think that, you know, you saying that Steve Carell and Amy Poehler are like kind of the heads of the show and they create this energy for the rest of the cast and crew. But I also think that the reason, I mean, this is just my own theory, mine own, no one else's, not Universal's, but that like (laughs) it stems from improv. I feel like they're taking people's suggestions, they're laughing with people, but they also want to get the work done. Like that's such an improv mindset, I feel. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And the improv on Parks and Rec was uniquely good like i don't think there's uh, in my in within the group of people i've worked with all this could sound bad sorry i'll cut it out if i need to okay i can you can take a minute to phrase it the way yeah i can i think that the cast of of parks and rec are unique were unique in the sense that i don't know if there's ever been a better big ensemble where there is not Mm. one single weak character I mean, it's truly yeah. incredible. I'm watching and working with everybody from, you know, Aziz, who's crazy funny, to Chris Pratt, who's super warm and great and is hilarious, and Aubrey, who's got dry as, you know, yeah. I don't even know, and, and Amy, who's funny as hell, and Nick Offerman. Oh, my God. I love Nick <laughs> Offerman. Um, I just loved every single one of them. I adored. Plus, I get to got to work with amazing, you know, guest guest stars as well. We had yeah. Louis C.K. in in practice day oh. and um, Justin Theroux in um, Leslie's house, and you mm-hmm. know they were incredible. And and all the other guest stars who were brilliant. But um, you know, particularly for me, 
you know, uh, Louis was, uh, I was a big fan of Louis then. And Justin, of, of course, is amazing. Yeah, of course. So it was a real treat. Mm-hmm. But like you said, too, I mean, as you're explaining all these people, they're all so unique. They're all so Mm -hmm. different and they bring their own flavor to it. There's nobody that's like, oh, yeah, that person does the same exact thing as that other person. Like, that's just doesn't it's not a thing. And it's so the way that it melds is so perfect. I love that. I definitely agree. I really do. I think they cast so brilliantly. And, you know, we had we had a lot of fun doing even the smaller roles, you know, on, on the show. Like, you know, obviously, we when we turn up as directors, we get given our you know that however i have i found something today <gasps> this is the Yay. this is the original script uh this is my actual i have the actual whole thing that's fallen apart oh my god i'm gonna cry um, oh, wow. which, is, which is fine i have not looked at this for a very 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 long time um, that's amazing that you kept it oh my I god know. i know i think i knew even at the time that i was like okay this is going to be whatever something special but yeah i mean this is an early one that sort of has I'm just looking at the cast list here. It just says, Les- it doesn't even say who they are. It just says Leslie Ann, Mark, Tom, Ron, April, Jerry, Donna, Dave, Wendy. And then it's got like 70-year-old woman, it says here, and I've written, ask Greg. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea. And then I've written, foreigner, I want to know what love is for the jazz standard at the end. So Wait, which that's... one was that? Was that practice date? Or it's practice listen. date, yeah. Okay, um, gotcha. Which is kind of fun. I'd forgotten how funny that opening scene was. The scene with um, Councilman Dexhart or whatever he's called. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. And he's called, yes. actually, in this script, he's called Craig Whiteley. What? I know. I know. There Interesting. Is. That's the opening page. <gasps> oh, my, oh my God. That is so exciting. Yes, we talked to Dexhart as well. We interviewed him, too, and he said oh, that. Yeah, yeah, he's a so wonderful. He's so different from his character. Like he's probably the most different we've had, right? Like from his character, like he's just because he's so genuine, and he like was a huge fan of Parks and Rec, so he just had this big smile on his face the whole time. Uh We're like, good, you're not creepy. Yeah, he he was straight up joyful. Ask. He didn't. <laughs> I'm so um, sorry, Alex. <laughs> he was. I guess I'm sure that was. We cast him though, right? He was one of the. He was one of the. Yeah, that was his that, first mm-hmm. episode. Was yeah. practice date. Um, and then he kept coming back. The second one he came back for was Christmas Scandal. And then obviously, uh, you know, Leslie gets nominate nominated. And she, well, I guess technically that's the right word. But no, she gets to council, city council, and so then they have Dexart keep coming back with Jam and everybody. But yeah, I mean, and I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that would have been either Dorian Frankel or Allison Jones that cast him. I can't remember who he said was in the audition room with him. Yeah, that I don't know. But um, That's okay. I do. You're like, not my I job. I also think we cast Pert Happily, didn't we, for this one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was also in Practice Date. Yeah, he was a big Practice episode. Date. Uh, was he only in this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Happily, he didn't have a name here. They just said they watched the TV newscaster. I'm wow. assuming this is her. This is him. Sorry. It turns out that Councilman Whiteley, it says here, may also have had sex with a prostitute in the limousine on the way to and from the press conference. Where he was <laughs> yeah. having an affair. Oh yeah, he's called Perd Hatley in the script. Perd Hatley, Channel Four. Okay, good. So that's kind of that's crazy though. That what'd you say, wow. Craig Whiteley? He was called Councilman Whiteley. Okay, that is going to have to be a trivia. Like yeah, Craig Whiteley. Then. Craig Whiteley. That's wild. What are some of the wow. notes you have in the margin there? Good question. I've written in this. I'm this, so intrigued. This, I know, right? I'm trying to see. Hold on. 
Um, <laughs> can you read your handwriting is the question read, from like have 10 a moment where I can never read my handwriting. <laughs> the opening scene says, um, start on TV, widen to reveal them watching. Wow, that was smart. Um, <laughs> and then it's kind of written, I'm trying to see what else I've written on here. But was that in the stage uh, like, No, that's direction? me. These are my notes that I've written by the side. Okay, okay. Um, Alex, look, see, that wasn't in the script, so you did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've written here. Next to the newscaster, i.e. put it happily, I've written with news trucks. So I guess that I asked for some news trucks to be in the shot. Okay, that's a question that I have um, also is like how you can ask for props and things like that that you want in the background. Because Mm -hmm. the main, uh, like, I guess, knowledge that I have from like a director's perspective is actually uh, Zach Braff, who always talks about it because he started directing on Scrubs and I've listened to the Scrubs podcast. And he said he talks like he doesn't anymore, really, but he used to incessantly talk about how one of the shots that he did like involved a crane. And he was like, this budget is so not like we don't have this, but I'm asking for it and we have to get it. (laughs) And so I was kind of wondering if you had any experiences like that or how it worked getting those trucks or any other kind of uh, insight as to like what you needed to have for the shot that you wanted yeah of course i mean parks and rec was parks and rec was a different beast in the sense that the you you would never want a crane or any of those things because it had to have that news that sort of right. you know, uh what's what documentaries yeah mockumentary style documentary yeah style. like real um, life technically <laughs> so we yeah so i don't think we ever asked for any special tools on that show but in general often on shows so i mean i just finished doing the grace and frankie finale for example it was it was a lot of um you know, you you basically go in and you have a vision for whatever, however you want to make the scene or, or you want to create, however you want to create the scene. Um, so, you know, you'll say to them, I think it could be great to have a top shot here. And then if we had the crane that day, we might also use it for this shot or X or Y mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then you you put a request in um, through the through the UPM for whatever tools you really want. Um, most most crews now have Steadicam all the time because it's just cheaper to have it because we all used it yeah. all the time. Wait, through but, the who you said? The uh, Steadicam. Um, you said you request that stuff through. Oh, the through UPM? the UPM, the unit production manager. Oh, um, UPM. Okay, okay, okay. And then, um, and then they'll say yes or no. They, I will say that in my recent experience, I've been doing a lot of stuff for Netflix. The invariably, the answer has always been yes in the last ten years. Wow. Um, prior to that, getting a crane or getting, uh, sometimes even getting a Steadicam was hard work. Like mm. really hard work. You had to beg for this stuff. Um, Interesting. So, Is that because budgets changed with streaming, or I think so. I think it's to do with that, and I think it's also to do with, you know, I think, I guess, to some extent, as a director, you have to prove that you're going to use the tools because sometimes those tools can take more time um, yeah. rather than save time. And the worst thing you can do is request a crane that costs fifteen thousand dollars a day or twenty thousand dollars a day, and then not use it. Oh, so, and that God, has happened, yeah. not to me, but it does happen. So you, yeah. know, you can imagine, it's like that's a big note. Yeah. Well, do you have anyone that like helps you like an assistant or anything that would, you know, I don't know, just assist you with whatever you might need? Or is it mostly just up to you kind of thing, reaching well, out to the different departments that you need? No. So you have a first AD um, who and they also do a cyclical thing. So the first AD on Parks and Rec, I don't remember who it was actually, but they um, they would do one week on, one week off, one week on, one week off. So you would, okay. I would end up with, with whichever first AD it was. As I said, I don't remember actually, but I'm sure they were great. I had a yep. fantastic time doing the show, which usually means the first AD was great. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so they help you and they come up with ideas. And, you know, I would, they would also, 
go down with me, say, say the, to Parks and Rec, we would go down to the set and spend time in the set, you know, acting through the scene, playing all of the parts, thinking about where the cameras could go or what props we would need or whatever it is, any element that you, you feel like would contribute or mm-hmm. if you needed them to cut a hole in the wall because you wanted to put a camera somewhere. Actually, maybe that's a bad example in Parks and Rec, but in most shows you can to cut a hole in the wall or do whatever because mm. you might want a camera somewhere or whatever. And Parks and Rec, I feel like they might not have done it because it, they wanted it to always have that feel of being very, you know, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was always amazed when I got into to discussing it that whenever we were shooting in the courtyard, they'd always be like, um, okay, so how many pigeons do you want? And I'd be like, oh, yes. Question. Holy. Gosh, I I t- oh my God. I you don't know how much we're you're changing my life. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but for the first full season, I kid you not, every episode of the podcast, we talked about those damn pigeons in the courtyard <laughs> because I was like, are they real? Are they fake? Are there some that's real and some that's fake? What is the deal? You So you're cracking the code for me. Okay, wait. So explain everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, were Start from the beginning. they were definitely real. Um, and you would request them and they would come in, they would have their own pigeon handler and they would be gloriously looked after. They had amazing crafty and they were, (laughs) I actually think they probably had a lovely day. I don't know. They seem to. So it was, it was unusual for sure. That's amazing. amazing. I have had some fun. Because there's that one. Oh, go ahead. I've had some fun guests, uh, guest animal stars over the years, for sure. I was shooting, shooting something at Warner Brothers a couple of years ago. And I remember... Well, during the take, there was this like incredible banging going on and like scraping. And I was like, what the hell is that? And um, I actually don't know if we were filming or, or them or not. But while we were filming, about, uh, an entire family of raccoons came down from the rafters. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Um, so That yeah. wasn't on Parks and Rec? That would have been perfect <laughs> if it was because they always talk about the raccoons. Exactly. It's a, so it didn't happen on Parks and Rec, but we did have for 100% real um, uh, proper live actual pigeons. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I'm so glad to hear it. There has been, um, well, we talked about it. There's been incessant talk about the pigeons, but I always think about that one scene uh, on the cake, um, which was I don't think mm-hmm. was on your episode, but it was uh, during Rock Show. I think it was maybe. because yeah, Rock Show. Okay. And there's a pigeon literally just walking around in this green icing on the cake. <laughs> That's funny. I don't think I've and seen that. And then they that. had like little green pigeon uh, footprints all over the rest of the day. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, Me too. It was an interesting choice. I guess the production designer thought it would, you know, help give us a sense that we were outside somehow. Um, and I thought it was cute. I mean, I absolutely. Yeah. You can't tell that that courtyard is on a soundstage at all. I yeah, I don't, think so. I don't think so. It was a fun set. It was a really cool set. Actually, I loved the fact that it was all, you know, practical and you could walk all the way around and mm-hmm. it really did feel like, and plus that mural is amazing. So um, cool. Rarely bettered, I would say. It's one of my favorite kind of, certainly one of my favorite bits of, uh, I guess technically, yeah, set decoration I've ever I've ever had or what. With. Yeah. And remind me, what uh, I know it's on Universal, but which lot was it on? So actually, was it in they Studio sh- City or it was it was at Radford, um, CBS Radford. Oh, that's right, that's right. So we were shooting kind of. I was very excited because for me, it was you know that was the same stage, that was the same studio where they shot um, Seinfeld, and mm. in fact, we filmed. And if you in practice day at the beginning, was it the beginning? I think it was at the beginning. We had a scene where they were in. Um, well, her and Justin, uh, wait, no, it must have been, it must have been, sorry. Mosley's house? 
No, you're good. Yeah, it's, it's straight from the record. In Leslie's <laughs> house, at the beginning, they had a scene where I think they're in Minneapolis or somewhere. They're somewhere else. And we oh, Indianapolis, that, yeah. Yeah, oh, Indianapolis, that's right. And they filmed that on, or we filmed that day, um, on the <laughs> um, that sort of Seinfeld Street, that New York Street, where they filmed every little clip of Seinfeld that was supposed to be. That's awesome. There. Yes. Um, so it was, a, it was a great feeling for me doing, you know, filming on that on that lot was a real, felt like a real thing. I was very excited. That's so cool. Well, and then for, okay, so you were talking about how they they were on that street in Indianapolis. Did you have to make, or can you explain a little bit to me about the shot list of how you walk through each uh, or each scene in the episode and kind of like, like, is there such a thing as like a planned out shot list of what exactly you'll need for each scene kind of thing? Like, I know you talked a little bit about it, but are you actually making a document of all the stuff that you need, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. So 99% of the shows that I do, I do do a shot list for every scene. I break it down and we'll say we need X, Y, and Z. But I don't know whether with this I did or not. I am, let me see if if I've written anything down on here. Um, I I can tell you some notes that are on the back. Uh, oh gosh, I don't see I don't see anything about shot list, but I've written on the back. These were my notes. Okay. A, a spy thriller B-roll f- feel for them typing, etc. from their POV, create tension. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's when they're trying to do that thing about, I guess, getting dirt on each other. Then I've written, add Andy. <laughs> add Andy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, Very okay. vague. Yeah, I've written more April stuff for her dirt story. So I guess that's whatever that was. Yeah, we um, were wondering. They didn't find too much on her. But that, I, I mean, there wasn't a lot of time to. That's true. She, at the end, obviously, she had that thing where she had got the, what did she do? Like, taking a ride in Lord Mara oh, from Nordstrom? Yeah. In the mall. Yeah. yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and um, there's a video of it. Where was that? That was, I guess that was in Burbank. I don't even remember that bit. <laughs> no, this is a while ago, though. I haven't got a terrible It was so image. short, like, that yeah. little piece. This was a very, very long time ago, so I don't know. I've written 606 club photos. Oh, that must have been the that must have been Ron Silver's um place. Oh yeah. Oh, my Duke God. Silver. Yeah. 606 Club. Okay, interesting. This is good for me to look up. Yeah, 606 Club. Police. I'm trying to see what else I've written on here. Um so oh, sorry. This might be boring, but I'm trying to see if this no, is funny stuff. No, it's everything. Um <laughs> I, I literally haven't read this since I filmed it. So it's kind of weird for me just looking at this. Um, That's amazing, though. It's like you're in a time capsule. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. Let me see whether it had any of this stuff. Yeah, so so I'm just looking at the scene where um, where she's talking. She goes over to Louis C.K.'s house and uh, to Dave, I guess he's called, to his house. And it says here... Um, Dave says, maybe I should give you a lift home. Leslie suddenly realizes exactly what she's done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I went to your house. I drank too much. I went to your house. That's what I did. Dave says, Leslie. She goes, no, don't say anything, please. Not a word. Just take me home. And that's all it says. So mm-hmm. when you when you watch the episode, that's mm-hmm. why she's doing her stuff about, all right, let's, I want to go to the, to the, to the, um, to the pub. <laughs> to the pub and the Beatles record and the stuff about, I want to go to the laboratory. You impressed that I know what that is, or restroom or whatever. You impressed that I know what that is. <laughs> All of that stuff was improvised. Um, wow. I know. You, so it's, it's actually fun looking back and I'm like, okay, this looks really good. I do have one interesting fun fact. Uh, yes, yeah, Maybe it. not that fun, semi fun. It'll be fun. 
there's stuff at the beginning of the episode where they're around at Rashida's house, at Anne's house, and she is, which I think is really funny, where Leslie's talking about all the disastrous things that have happened to her. Like, you know, she set her arm on fire and took too many yes. <laughs> Took the so, pills because she thought they were like Tic Tacs or something. Exactly. And- <laughs> so we, we shot all day, I think, on that stage doing all of those scenes there, plus some other work. I can't remember what it was. And I think that was like on day two. I think about three days later, I got a call from, or, or the producer came down and he said, um, I've got some bad news. Um, uh, the camera, the camera cards for all of that day were wiped. <gasps> and we were like, oh God. And so I think yeah. they had actually, somehow or other, they had taken all of our media from that day and they had wiped the whole lot clean. They'd erased Oh my gosh. It. So they... Because it's so expensive on Parks and Rec and well, and any of these network shows cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. Of course. And they didn't want to have to redo it. They sent off the, um, I guess they sent all of the discs that had been erased off to, I believe, and I'm, this might be apocryphal, but I believe some somewhere in Washington where it was like some sort of, I don't know if it was like some Pentagon thing or some whatever. Oh my God. They managed to retrieve, or after about a week, they managed to retrieve all of the data that had been fully erased. Like the files said they were empty, but actually the data was still there. Um, so we thought for a very, for you know about a week, we were going to have to reshoot the whole day. Um, and then they pulled it out of the hat. And I th- I'm really happy wow. they did because there's some really, yeah. really funny stuff, much of it improvised that we would never have, you know, we would never have, have had. That's insane. Wow. You got some spy shit happening. <laughs> I know, right? I'm wondering whether, because that scene is so funny. Let me see if I've written anything. That's right near the beginning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They have like a montage moment. Yeah. Of all the outfits. So th- that's right. And she's like, I want to go now. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hands out. She's always leaving work in the middle of the day to hang out with Anne, clean her house, right? do something. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So this looks fairly similar. Sorry, I'm just going to see. Um, oh, some of this stuff didn't make it into the cut. What if he shows – this is Leslie talking to Anne. Um, she goes, uh, what if I got drunk, get drunk and bring up Darfur too much? Well, not enough. What if I don't bring it up enough? And she goes, okay, but real fast, what if he shows up with another woman? Or what if he wants to have sex through a plastic sheet? Or what if one of my sleeves catches on fire and spreads rapidly? Or I pop a Tic Tac and accidentally take Ambien and have to stop, keep punching my own leg to stay awake? I guess most of us in there, the sex through a plastic sheet is not. No, no, um, it's not. But anyway. <laughs> She's um, like, why do you, Anne's like, why do you think any of that's going to happen? She's like, those things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> all of them happened to me. Oh, and then I don't remember what list she says for the things that happened to her for her funny stories of what I've happened on dates. But the ones they have in the script are one time I accidentally drank an entire bottle of vinegar. and I thought it was terrible wine. That's not it. Oh yeah. That's in there. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That yeah. Hard. That one's in there. One time I went to out with a guy who wore 3d glasses the entire night, even when we made out. Is that in there? I don't think so. I don't think I don't it is know. either. I don't They've got the so. one where the, she went to the film and fell asleep and the guy tries to steal her tooth, right? Yes. That yeah. one is in there. But all the others, like this one, I think she talked about like a side cut detaching and she went down some stairs. All of no! that. Like, all of that's just, just, uh, just um, uh, Leslie being Leslie and coming up with crazy or Amy being Amy coming up with crazy, funny stories on the, just at the drop of a hat. It's amazing to me. It is 
amazing. Wow. Isn't that a well, how do, do you direct any of that? That's what I was going to say. Like, how, no, that's exactly my question. How do you how yeah. do you do that as a director? Do you kind of like know what she's going to do or you prepare for it or do you do anything um, or are you just kind of sitting back at that point? You kind of sit. So what I tend to do is, oh, and this happens to, with most of my shows and, and I think I learned it in a good way from Parks and Rec. I will always try and get what's in the script twice. Um, once to make sure it's good and once just as a safety in case something went wrong with it, as I found out on Parks and Rec when we looked all our media. Um, <laughs> and then from then on, I do a fun run for the rest of the take. So I just let them do whatever they like, as long as it's similar-ish. So yeah. I learned that from Parks and Rec and it's something that I've taken on to every show I've ever done and movies since then and even commercials, everything I do it with. And I, I guess I learned that from Mamie. So yeah, you literally set up the shop and she would have done these three lines that I just read, the, the mm-hmm. talking heads. And then I would have said to her, okay, have fun with it. Just tell us um, as many bad dating stories as you can think of. And and she, uh, with a talent that big, she can. She probably came up with 20 and we were almost certainly had tears in her eyes and like, That's amazing. covering her mouth to try and not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I have a question about improv for the camera work because a lot of the times the cameraman like one a line is improv the camera person man or woman or whoever they uh will zone in or zoom in rather um to catch something that the improv line said and i'm wondering like did you have a lot to do with where the camera looked exactly like because on a mockumentary i'm talking about because i feel like with a multicam like you have kind of your setups that you want but with a mockumentary it's a little bit more stylistic in the sense where like you said it has to be real so I'm thinking about like the shots, number one, like that you want that were scripted. But then yeah. with the improv, a lot of times if the cameraman doesn't catch it, then the improv line doesn't work. Exactly. That's not always true. But like, you know no, what I mean? So, like, how does that happen? So, yeah, <laughs> a lot of that is you sort of put your your trust and faith in the camera camera people. And actually, now you mention it, we had the most fantastic female camera lady camera lady i don't know yeah sure Kimberly. i love that (laughs) and she was amazing i don't remember her name now but she was brilliant and she she and the other cameraman on it just had a natural really great instinct for when the cast were going to say something funny obviously it's a lot easier doing you know a scene with two people it's like you've got a camera pointed one way and a camera pointed the other way and by and large um that you know will give you everything you need but when you're doing, which obviously in practice state, there's lots of it, and in all of Parks and Rec, I guess, scenes with six, seven, eight, nine people, it's really right. hard to know who's going to say something funny, especially with that cast. It's anyone mm-hmm. or all of them. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, it does it does present a challenge, but I remember you you basically have to put your faith in, you have to put your faith in the camera people. And if by any chance they don't get it, I'll just get them to do it again and just be, say, be prepared for this line and I'd ask the actor to do the improv line again. That's true. Um, I didn't think about that. Which is great. And, you know, there's, there's, the show is really good because it works quickly and you you have time to experiment and try stuff. Plus, the improv nature of it keeps it fresh for everybody, as you said. It's like, so you never, I don't think in Park Trek you ever would see somebody looking bored. I feel like that's not going right. to happen. Because all the time people are, on, are like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Who's going to do that? Totally. Who's gonna do that? What's going to happen over there? Or well, what's the pigeon doing in the background? Um, <laughs> exactly. I think, I think that that's, um, you know, that's part of the reason why the show is so good is because Greg Daniels was so great at being open and NBC as well, at being open to, um, you know, letting the cast create the show and the directors and, and the crew create the show um, as they went along. Right. Well, and did you have any experience with working in a mockumentary setting um, or like a live, like 
situation because I know Dean Holland and uh, not Dean Holland. Um, oh my gosh, the other fella that I'm really into um, was uh, you know was on Survivor has such a huge experience oh, with Survivor. Randall Einhorn. That's Randall Einhorn. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um, and so like when he came to the office, he was like, well, this is just, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing with a live show. And that's how it kind of got that tone, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I didn't know if you had brought any of that experience with you. I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'll be brutally honest. I don't think I'd done it before. And I think that they, I don't think they hired me for that. I, I think that with that show and with the office, I, you kind of have to, as I say, put your faith in the camera people and in the DP um, and just know that they're doing it the way that they do it. And yeah. what you, what we bring to it is, you know, as, as the director is the blocking for the actors um, and then creating the environment where the actors can be as fun as they can. And then obviously you can, you can suggest things to them and also try and mold the storyline in a certain way so that it emphasizes whatever bit of the story you really want to emphasize. Um, but, you know, who knows at the end of the day, this the the one of the differences that is true. Hold on, I think this is interesting. But hold on, let me just think about how to phrase it. Yeah, I love that. How thoughtful okay. you are. <laughs> okay. Um, so one one of the big differences between UK and US television is that in the UK, the director, whatever the director delivers, is the cut is what ends up on TV. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the US, the director is a director. You hand over your cut to the producers and the producers then finesse it however they see fit mm-hmm. and then it ends up on TV. So I found out the hard way when I came to America that they would not always, what I loved in a show would often not end up on the air. And I realized that quite early on. And so as a, as, as a result of that, I never watched anything that I've ever directed on TV. So wow. for this- it like disappointment? Yeah, just in case. I have no idea. It could be great. It could be bad. I have no idea. Yeah. I never watch it. So I, what I hand over is the director's cut, and I'm proud of that. I would, I would, you know, wouldn't hand over director's cut that I wasn't proud of. And so if they decide to cut it, however they want to cut it or change it, however they want to, that's that's on them. But so the interesting thing for me was I've never seen these episodes of Parks and Recreation. Um, I watched them for the first time ever last night. No, um, no for real. So. That's so- Wow. I know. So I was very, very happy. Now, I don't remember what we cut out because I don't remember filming it. But I do. Well, you know, Peacock is now releasing some of the director's cuts. I don't I don't know if I don't think Leslie's house maybe practice state was, but I I don't think that Leslie's house is. But they're they're doing that now and they're doing it at the office as well where they're releasing everything. So. Oh, wow. Um, That's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely. Nah, let's not say. Let's not go to the office. Don't worry about it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know what you're saying. So totally fine. <laughs> but, but I was very, very proud of practice this day and rewatching both of them. I think they both have. They're both very strong episodes. I think and yes, really some really laugh out loud funny moments. So I was like, damn, this is so good. So I was very, <laughs> I was very proud of. Oh, I'm so glad of, you're proud of it. You should be. Yeah, yeah, it made me really happy. And so thank you for getting me to finally watch something that I actually have done for the Yay! first time. Yeah, that's so wild. I mean, I know a lot of actors who hold that same kind of thought where they're like, I don't want to mm-hmm. watch it because I don't want to know. Like it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> But um, did you already have kind of a tone before you got to Parks and Rec, if that makes sense? Like, did you have something signature that you do in every kind of idea? I think idea? so. I think so, to some extent. I think, I mean, I guess to some extent you do get pigeonholed in what you want to do. I mean, the film that I made when I was, my, my short film, was a was a quite dark, quite dark comedy. I mean, it was about, it was about a guy who 
um, kind of wish people dead and then find out that he actually could wish people dead and they would die. Um, and so it was a pretty dark premise. Love but, it was, it. but it was sort of funny as well. Um, so I think my natural inclination is dark comedy, but I think my skill, if I have any, or my uh, whatever, is warm comedy. Um, mm. So I think Parks and Rec was a very good fit for me. Um, and I think over the years, a lot of the shows that I've had the most success with are those kind of sweeter, funny, warmer shows, or the ones that are kind of a little bittersweet as well. So I think the reason I've done, you know, seven years of Grace and Frankie, I think is because it's a funny show, but it also has a lot of heart and sometimes can be incredibly sad. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, one of the episodes of Grace and Frankie I remember directing was one where Jane um, is sort of confronting old age and she, in front of Peter Gallagher, wipes off all of her makeup and takes off her knee brace and she's like, this is me and this is, this is what I'm really like. This, you know, not wow. no fake lashes, no whatever. And I remember looking around the crew that day while we filmed it. We only shot it once. Um, uh, and literally the boom guy was crying, the camera oh. was crying. Mm -hmm. And it went on to be, you know, I think one of the iconic moments of that show. And I think that sort of, um, I'm not saying that because of, you know, um, uh, anything other than I think maybe that's where my strength lies in kind of slightly more, uh, heartfelt, sweet mm -hmm. comedy, which I think is... Yeah, it's well, so honest. You know. I think so, yeah. I think it's honest and I think it's, you know, I, I definitely don't, I'm not, a, I'm not into gross-out comedy. I'm not um, that great at slapstick and stuff. It's not really my thing. But I think if it's, you know, sort of either... Yeah, if it's, if it's real, if it's honest, if it's emotional and if it's funny, it's, it's right up my street. That's awesome. Oh, okay. Well, uh, also, I was going to say with... That was Jane doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially with her, I mean, just in general, she could do anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, with that combined with, you know, like you said, your heartfelt tone, I think that would just be amazing combination. Um, okay, we have questions about Leslie's house um, in it. particular. Yes. And uh, because we just reviewed that, and yeah. then we'll get into some other, like, nerdy things. But, okay, we were wondering, um, number one, where was or where was the inside of Leslie's house? Because we know where the outside was, but I didn't know where you shot that. Yeah, they're the same, the inside and outside of that. Oh, oh. Ooh, I'm wait. No, am I right? I might be wrong. <laughs> I might be wrong. Okay, so I do remember. It's possible. I remember we filmed. We shot it. I think we were either in Pasadena or in Eagle Rock, um, in a beautiful yeah. Crossman, a really, really lovely house. I I have a distinct memory of just sitting on the um, curb. Uh, oh, do you call it curb in America? Probably. Yeah, right? uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, sitting on the curb with um, uh, Andy or with with uh, Chris Pratt. Chris eating something that he had asked a runner to get me, which was chicken and waffles from Roscoe's. Yes. Chris Famous. at the time was like, Chris, Chris at the time was kind of slightly porky, as you know. Yeah. I, I don't think he would mind me saying that. And no, he liked it. it. He was like, you know, really this, but I was a stripper once. And I was like, what? And he was like, no, for real. I was a stripper in Washington, wherever he's from. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, what? But you have what? to try. Wait, should I not have said that? No, you can say that. I don't care. I just I find it hard to believe. Thank you. Because he like quotes that he's like a Christian guy now. <laughs> Which who's to say you could be Christian and not be, okay, and be a well, stripper this too? Is, 
This is just my memory. But anyway, this is what I believe. <laughs> Whatever. He wouldn't care. No, exactly. I'm sitting on the curb. He, he's Leslie not Paul, listening to this. If it Discussing <laughs> this with, with Chris Pratt, eating Roscoe's chicken and waffles. All of the, that bit's correct for sure. Which, by the way, I thought was disgusting because I'm English and we're not used to like uh, savory and sweet stuff together. Yeah. So fried strange. and bread. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. You're probably like, wait, wait. English people judging American food. But I was. No, I no, 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 not at all. I understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I do remember the house very well, um, the inside of it. And I can't remember. I'm just trying to think if we did shoot. I guess we didn't shoot any exterior there. Because what really? No, you got one shot on the outside. You, we do see the house from the outside, like. But and I didn't say this in our last episode, but we they switched the um, the numbers on the house so that oh. you don't know exactly what the you know address mm-hmm. is or whatever. Okay. Um, but w- you don't really see her go inside of the house. Like you see a tiny bit of her of Anne, uh, you know, knocking on the door or whatever. But you yeah. don't quite see where it is. So that I makes sense. Know. So that w- I think that was all in Eagle Rock and or, or in Pasadena, whichever one it was, or Glendale. Maybe. Maybe, but that whole it was um, Altadena where that house was. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So that's just up from Pasadena, right. and it was um, it was super pretty house. I remember loving it. It was it was it, I nice. loved the fact it had that kind of sitting room connected to the dining room, and then it had a very small kitchen, but it worked fine. And we yeah, I think we were in that house for I want to say three days probably. Wow, did someone um, live in it? Do you know? Yes, someone lived in it definitely. And oh wow! And then a, they, you guys like put them up somewhere. Yeah, we put them up in a hotel for probably a couple of weeks, and then we obviously the other one moved in, filled it up with all of Leslie's junk, um, <laughs> and then we had to take all the junk out again and created the dinner party. And I was I was watching it last night, and and I was like, God, that's funny. Look how big that table is, and how many people are around it, and how small the room is. And yeah. I think maybe that's kind of a blessing. I mean, that was you know Leslie wouldn't have had the biggest house in the world, and I'm sure we did it because I, oh, I don't know. Maybe Maybe they added more more actors. I do remember um, that was the first time I ever worked with Blake Lee, and he was so lovely. He and I got on fantastically. And I went on to actually direct a show with him called Mixology. Um, that was on oh, yeah, I've heard of that. ABC. And he is just the most wonderful, kind, loving, fantastic guy. And he, I think, was... I don't know if he got the role because he was friends with Aubrey or if Aubrey just suggested him. I would okay. suspect it was the latter because I feel like, you know, the show was so big and so popular, but he uh-huh. was definitely really good friends with Aubrey. And, but he, he and I had such a fun time working on the, on the, on the show. Plus of course, in, in, in Leslie's house, there are so many guest stars because of all these people turning up like that. accounting so guy is hilarious. And the cook and the woman who helps her clean. And it's crazy. Yes. And most of them, um, you know, are so friendly because I do the same thing kind of where I reach out to them and I ask if they either want to send me like voice messages or send me like an email about their time on the show. And they're always so happy to talk about it if they can remember. Um, It's very I mean, obviously, it was so long ago now. So a lot of people are like, I don't remember what that audition was. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long time ago. I wonder if any of those guest stars, you probably know better than me. Have any of the guest stars gone on to become big stars or no? Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know off the top of my head if guest stars have, but I, I know that they work regularly. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They work all of the time and they're always in everything. Yeah. Um, like totally there are a lot of people that are in like Curb Your Enthusiasm and Monk. Those like are the top two that people are still <laughs> in to this think, day. That's where the Venn diagram of acting of successful actors goes, right? Yes. So you've been in Monk, you've been in Curb, you've been in Parks <laughs> and Rec. 
Exactly. Right in the middle is the most popular actors in America. Yeah. And I mean, I guess technically you could say that Retta and Jerry uh, were guest stars. Um, and mm-hmm. so was Chris Pratt. And now they are big stars. So. Uh, yeah. Chris Pratt ain't doing too badly. No, yeah, he'll not. be all right. The kid will be okay. He's so yeah. I, I adored him. Working with him was such a joy. He was so friendly. I mean, they were all friendly. But like Chris, you know, I definitely... I definitely did not know that he was going to go on to become one of the biggest action stars in the Marvel Universe. I'm like, okay. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? I know. <laughs> well, I love the way they explain it when he comes back from, I guess he was filming Gal- Gardens of the Galaxy, right? And he's like, yeah, man, I just stopped drinking beer. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Because <laughs> he got all got a six pack now. Wait, How on. much beer so, were you drinking? Just not drinking beer. <laughs> Sorry, my dog is going out. He wants to go for a run. Um, cute. Uh, but yeah, no, they were great. I, I loved, uh, I'm trying to think what else I can tell you about. Oh, well, how did you, we were going to ask, how did you find all those things in Leslie's house? Cause it really just looks like you went through the prop department and just like scooped <laughs> everything into like a grocery cart. That sounds, that sounds very likely. So I think the production designer likely would have come up with the thoughts for what they could be. I don't, rem- I don't have the script for that one for some reason. I don't know why, or I couldn't find mm-hmm. it. I might have it. For Leslie's house. You mean? Yeah, I couldn't find it, but I would think that maybe I'm going to guess that the bird boxes were scripted um, and then everything else was just like stuff and maybe the newspapers. um, But the rest was probably just stuff that we came up with and we were like, but I do remember saying to the production designer, you know, this really, you know, we need to look at um, real like the hoarder shows and it needs to feel (laughs) Like a full-on order, otherwise. Yes. yes. Well, I was explaining a lot of the things that were cut, and um, some of them were like there were sculpture heads and grapes, like fake grapes and skittles that had been there for a hundred years. And it's really funny because one of the things that got cut, uh, which was so short, and I don't mind that it got cut, but uh, was where Leslie like moves this like fake bowl of fruit and then puts the DNA like thing, um, DNA model like in place of it saying like this fits better here right <laughs> you're like there's no need for either of those things that's interesting wait <laughs> when you say it got cut do you mean it got cut from the script or it got cut from the director's cut or it got from cut? the director's cut oh so you saw the director's cut of that i've seen deleted scenes um i have the dvds wow i haven't seen that Oh my god! Uh, I, maybe I should just sit here with my phone and record all of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I need to. I'm sure you can find them on YouTube. But yeah, I I mm-hmm. bought all of the DVDs so oh, that cool. I could see every single part of what was deleted and what wasn't. And speaking of which, of guest stars and what was cut, there was this one gal named Jennifer Hasty who played the caricaturist, and you guys had a whole scene with her showing a caricature of Justin and Leslie, and uh, it was like in the the uh, conference room the ethics hearing or whatever the hell. Yeah. And she had like a whole thing where she was like, yeah, I was told to come to the house, blah, blah, blah. And she was really sweet and sent me some voice messages as well. Um, but you directed her, I'm I'm assuming, obviously. Um, and that got cut. That was going to be in there, which I really loved. And mm-hmm. I always, Maddie knows this and the guests or the uh, like listeners know this too. But every time a an actor is cut, I'm always like, I am recording that cut scene i am playing it so everyone can hear it because they spent time and energy on that scene <laughs> oh i love that i love that i think that's great and also, especially with um a show like parks and rec there's a network show it's so hard to you know fit in that 21 minutes and and as a guest yeah. to end up in bearing in mind you know you have to, whatever it is eight of the funniest characters on tv it's it's very difficult you know so if it's a, a funny improv from a guest star versus a funny improv from from amy or chris or whoever it's yeah you know, 
it's tricky but but i really like the fact that they did let them shine and and mm-hmm. um so it's interesting you say that i would love to see i'd love to see the deleted scenes i'm going to check it out i'll see what yeah see what happens well, and i mean they do a really good job of bringing people back like a lot of people i feel that maybe had smaller scenes got you know, uh, asked to come back to build this world of Pawnee. So we see yeah. a lot of guest stars come back, which is really nice. Um, and, and actually, you said, I probably, you can probably ask me, I don't know if you want to ask me this question or if you want me to have thought of it. I think you, I want you to think you of it. Or somebody <laughs> said to me the thing about Soft Castle. Was it like. Yes, yeah. I was going to ask if you knew that. There was a namesake character for you. There's an Alexa Softcastle. So was she, what episode is Alexa Softcastle? That was Christmas Scandal. So was that episode and, five? Uh, mm, no, no, that was in season two. Yeah, I'm just, I was thinking season two. I'm just, I'm assuming, but I'm wondering what episode it was. Oh, 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 oh. It could have been season five of episode two. I actually don't know. Episode five of season two. <laughs> I'm looking it up. See, it's episode 12. I knew it had to be higher because it's the middle of the season. Got it. Because it's the Christmas episode. Uh, so it's, that makes- it's season two, episode 12. I got you. But yeah, they must have. Yeah, I don't know. At that stage, they were probably like. That was yeah. after practice date, though, which. Um, and I don't know who wrote that one. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was okay, written by a great writer called Harris Whittles, who I. Oh. Oh, okay, that's right. Fan of who very sadly is no longer with us, but yes, I, poor one out. I, yeah, I loved uh, Harrison. He was incredibly talented. He was he was one of the younger writers on the show and was just yeah. such a I mean, wonderful. He's phenomenal. He had such a hand in the backbone of Parks. I feel hundred percent writing and story editing and everything. Um, but no, I messaged uh, Gillian uh, on like to do Christmas Scandal, and she was like, "I don't know if you know this, but my character name was actually paying homage to Alex Hardcastle." <laughs> Like, oh my god, that's so cool! And you learn that. I mean, with the office, they do that, especially like uh, Daryl Philbin is Daryl Philbin because of JJ Philbin, um, like all that stuff. So I think that's really cool. I love that. That's funny. Mm-hmm. It's good to it's good to hear. I'm happy that to some extent my uh, my name has influenced something. Your rain lives yeah. on. <laughs> oh, it, that makes me very happy, especially in such a wonderful show. I can't think yeah. of a better show to be remembered, you know, that's or so named cool. after. Do you remember who had all the ideas for all the places that Justin goes? Like, I know Dan Gore wrote it, but I'm wondering, like, if you remember any of, of any of those things coming up on the day or if you talked about it at all, because, like, they're so specific. <laughs> I um, I actually don't know. I don't I, I suspect Dan probably wrote them as my guess or Dan and Greg. Um, I don't remember us improving that much with Justin not because I think I don't know why I can't remember I think part of it was that he's he was quite a reserved character in the in the show mm-hmm. and I do remember really really liking working with Justin like he was he was so smart and so interesting and mm-hmm. I think I didn't really am I right in saying that his dad is Paul through the right the author I think that you're right so I think that's right. Um, I think that you're right I think I heard that he's so academic and is so bright and is so I don't know. It's just, he, he was such a nice guy. I really, really love working with him. And, you know, sometimes you get. I don't think who, he's related to that dude. Oh, he's not? I don't think he's related to Paul. His dad's Eugene. But wait. You said Paul, right? Yeah, Paul Thoreau. I think it's Paul. Is that? Hold on. His, yeah. his dad is Eugene Thoreau, it looks like. And he was a lawyer. So. Oh. But isn't there, what was the. There is a Paul Thoreau who's a yeah, novelist and travel writer, but it doesn't look like there. Oh, he. Oh, 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 that's his uncle. Oh, right. That makes sense. That makes so sense. So they are related. Yeah, so he's from a, from a somewhat of a very erudite family. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, Sir, I just think smart. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten how many times they talk about all the places that he's been in. The oh episode. my gosh! I mean, that's why our last episode was so long. We were literally deep diving like India and Camel Stomach and. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, that was so funny. I forgot all that. Oh, that was funny as well. Seeing that restaurant, forgotten all about that. And that was that restaurant's in. It's in Studio City, okay. and you know the beginning where he's on the date with Leslie, and the the, the thing about um, camel stomach and all that. Yeah. Um, that was that was a, a I think I want to say it was an Indian restaurant anyway. But that was a really fun. I remember really enjoying doing that scene and really laughing at, at uh, how great they were. But yeah, I, I do remember that location. Um, yeah, it that looks like such a cool place. Yeah, it was great. It was a really cool place, and, and it looked really pretty. It was one of those where you don't really need to do anything. It just looked Yeah, great. it had all the setup. Do you remember if you were filming on in the rec center? Remember when she's, like, telling the uh, teachers that she has to cut their classes? Like, was that inside? Because I know where the outside was, which was also in Studio City. Yeah, I um, think the inside was there, I think. I'm pretty sure it was. And if it wasn't... I mean, it looks like a real gym, but... Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was. I th- I'd be surprised if we shot in two different places. I think... Think it was almost certainly was that Beeman is that Beeman Park? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, memory. which is yeah, ironically we go to Beeman Park very often, like almost every other day with my little godchildren because they all they want to do is play on the swings there. Um, Aww, it's interesting you say that because I saw it on screen yesterday. And I was like, damn, that looks like where I take the kids every day and or every other day. And and sure enough, it was. Little did I know then. You know, yeah. ten years ago, or, full circle how, moment. Yeah, wait, how long ago was it? Do you remember? Like, it was in two thousand ten. So, uh, for oh. season two, two thousand ten. So, yeah, twelve years ago. Um, well, I guess eleven. I know that's a lot though. That's like no wonder I can't remember stuff. Right I know. Right? <laughs> well, when you watch it, you're like, this. There's no way that was ten years ago. Yeah, you know also, what I mean. Like, think about how little the cast have aged. Like, I feel like they all look almost exactly the same, right? Oh my god. Except also, can we Pratt. talk about how? Speaking of aging, how Paul Rudd is People Magazine's sexiest man alive. Yes, he's dreamy. What can he's I say? So dreamy. What I a guy that real. guy is. How old is Paul Rudd in real in reality? 52. He's oh my 52? God. Yeah. Oh, my. This is a question at Trivia last night, and it's the only question I knew because <laughs> that is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, my I mean, God. I cannot so wait to get to his parts of the of the show. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so funny in this show because he just he plays such an airhead. Yeah. <laughs> he's so Bobby. good at he's it. So brilliant. That's really interesting. So I want, I mean, obviously none of this will probably come to fruition, but the next movie that I'm doing which is also a Paramount movie and it has a male lead villain um, who's quite a big character and I really want Paul Rudd to come and do it because I've never oh, seen him kind of play. Here. I know, I've never seen him play a really evil, um, I mean, none of, it's in a comedy, so it's not like he's, you know. Yeah, but he would be dope as it. He, he could do anything. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think he's amazing. I just think he's so. Anyway, whatever. Now he's one sexist man alive. We'll never get him. No, we'll get him. <laughs> we'll get him. But um, I was gonna ask too. Do you remember any like bloopers or like funny moments that like you had to cut for, or are they all pretty much professionals where they were like, if we laugh, it'll be part of the scene. Oh, I mean. For real, I'm imagining. I'm imagining that there were thousands of bloopers, and if it's not them laughing, it was probably me. So um, <laughs> I don't remember anything from like, like anything that was cut. I don't remember because it was too long ago. Um, 
Do they do a gag reel or not for the season? They do, but it's not as much as The Office. The Office okay. has ones that I could go and watch on YouTube for like days, but Parks doesn't yeah. have as many. And most of them, if I'm being honest, which I don't mind, but most of them are Chris Pratt and his improv lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. I've, yeah, I'd never, I've never even thought about that or even watched that, but I do know that there was plenty of laughter and we definitely screwed up many, 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 many takes. Um, through laughing way too much. That's um, amazing. Which is great. And and you would expect no less from, from those guys. Yeah. Well, and then, like, I mean, speaking of working with them, like, do you, when you want to give them direction, is there a certain way that you like to approach actors or is there a way that you approach certain people individualistically, if that makes sense? Or, like, what's your kind of style when you're telling them, hey, maybe try that? So I think it really depends on the actor. And I think that most, you know, I... As I said earlier, I feel like in general, in my experience, the bigger they act, the easier they are to work with. Um, and so... Which is interesting. You wouldn't think that, I feel. Not at all. I mean, like Jane Fonda, the very first thing that I was told when I... Obviously, I was intimidated. You know, I was told I was going to work with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, she's won two Oscars and Lily's been a comedy legend for 50 years. And, you know, I was the very first note I was given by Marta who created Grace and Frankie and Friends was um, Jane loves being given direction. Like mm. go to her after every take and tell her what you like, what you didn't like, explain, you know, whatever. And I was like, really? You, you, you want me to tell, give Jane Fonda notes about her acting? Okay. And I very quickly learned that she does. Like what she does not like is when you just go, let's do it again. And she's like, well, yeah, because she's like, well, I'm going to do it the same way. Yeah. She's like, unless you tell me why I will do it the same way. Exactly. So you so I'd learned very quickly how much she loved it. So with I'm trying to think, but specifically remembering Parks and Rec with some of them, I built up an immediate kind of um, rapport uh, that made it super easy. So with Pratt, with Chris Pratt, people like that, I remember just being like, hey, do it again, but do it like this. Or with uh, Aubrey was super easy to work with. And, you know, um, a lot of them are really easy. With some of them, I would take, you know, with some of them, you would take a bit more time and just not say it on camera. You would cut and then chat with them about, yeah. you know, hey, maybe you could try this a little differently or do this differently or whatever it was. Um, but but there's not there was nobody in that cast, honestly, hand on heart, there was nobody in that cast who was, who is not absolutely fantastic. Like open to it, yeah. Completely, completely. I'm trying to remember the last time I struggled. Oh, yeah, I can remember. I ain't going to say that. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you who it was, but I have struggled with some actors not wanting direction. But it's very rare, very, very okay. rare. And do you get a chance to um, kind of like sit with, I mean, I'm guessing in that third week, um, I'm, I'm kind of asking random questions now that are popping up in my head, That's so fine. I'm sorry if it's like random, but... Um, when you're talking about the director's cut, you're sitting with the editor first yeah. to kind of like go through what you want and then you hand that in and then you don't really get to see what the other editors decided to get like to take out or what the network, I guess. Yeah, so, like, so the, the process goes that when we start filming, the same day we start filming, the editor will start assembling what you, what you'll film. Well, I guess it'll be the next day. We'll start cutting stuff together. So mm -hmm. by the end of the week, your week of filming, the editor is at least four of the five days he's cut already. He'll then spend a couple more days getting it ready and he'll send you what is called the editor's assembly. Okay. So you watch that and usually at that stage you're like, okay, well, I've destroyed the franchise, I've ruined my career and, <laughs> and no one is funny in this thing and I'm a disaster and I should not do this. <laughs> and, then, and then you think about it some more and you look at the scripts and you remember what made you laugh on the day and then you go back in with the editor and you work on it and you hone it and you hone it and after a, after a week you ha you basically just ha you hand it over and you go Here, here's here's what i think is the funniest and best version of this story 
Um, and and then yeah, and then it goes to the producers. The producers right. do their work on it, hand it over to the network. The network gives them some notes, and it ends up on the air. So, do you remember who your editor was, or who you were sitting in the booth with? Like, was it Dean? Let me look. Dean rings oh. a bell. Hold on, let me see. Well, I'm gonna, Dean, I'm gonna have to look on IMDb. The office because, more so. Oh, that's right. I should. Yeah. I don't remember who who. Um, hold on, let me see. Um, Pops and recreation. Sorry. <laughs> No, please. I should have already known, but I, I don't know. Could I like? Can you see per episode who edited, or is it pretty much? Oh, that's the a same good editors? question. Maybe not. Actually, maybe not. Because I think yeah. that there are different editors for the whole series, but I don't know if you can see it per episode, or maybe you can. No, that's a good point. Maybe I don't think you can. Hold on, I'm just trying to see. No, I don't. I don't think you can. Yeah. Hold on, I'm just going to see if there's any. Um. I would say it was Dean if there was more jump cuts, which in Leslie's house there were some. Yeah, there were. But... Yeah, there were quite mm-hmm. a few. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, is, is are jump cuts written into the script or no. is okay? I don't think so, or certainly not in. I'm it wouldn't make sense for him to be, but who's to say? Like if they created some sort of montage or something. But I think you know? yeah, I think they know. Like when it comes to a talking head, I think they know that they're going to be jump cut and and jump jump. Cutted, jump, jump, <laughs> yeah. cut, jump cut, jump cut. Um, wow, my English is amazing. Uh, same, it's fine. <laughs> and um, so you know, they, and especially with those things, as I was saying earlier, with Leslie, you just set them up and you just roll at it, have at it, and you know, we'd do 20, 25 minute takes and just really have fun with it. Um, yeah, Kaufman is another one who just could come up with these insanely funny things off the top of his head, and just you know, doing any of his. <clears throat> any of his uh, talking heads was uh, a real highlight. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm. Oh my gosh. Such a um, How are you getting, okay, is it like acting in the sense where like after you're done with one job, you kind of just hope for the next one or are you? do you like pitch yourself as a director? Like how do you get your next gigs? So you don't really pitch yourself. I think that, that that's really your agent and managers who do Oh, that. sure. Um, in general, I mean, I think I've been very fortunate in that I feel like I usually am booked up for, you know, Quite a quite a while ahead, um, so I don't really sit around and wait. With the exception of COVID, um, I don't really sure. sit around and wait for jobs to come along. Um, but with the downside to getting booked in advance is that there are some shows, um, including uh, Veep, that I got asked to do three times. But they would hang up and be like, "Can you do Veep in three weeks' time?" And I'm like, "No, I mean I'm literally booked till next May." It's like yeah. I can't, and that's not. I don't know. I just think maybe it's. Uh, uh, I don't know. I would say yeah. my, my I have one more tip for potential directors if they yes. want to be directors for how to succeed in the industry. And that is to be polite, to be punctual, and to be professional at all times. Yeah. And that is more important than being skilled or being funny or being interesting or any mm. of those things. But always be on time, always be polite, and always um, be prepared, you know, be be professional and prepared. All the so, P's. All the P's. Just <laughs> three P's. Yeah. Well, speaking of P's, this is a great segue. I have great segue skills. Um, oh, I have always been interested in the names of producers. You've got executive producers. You've got consulting producer. You've got all of these things. And I want. I didn't know, know where you were going with the P's. I know she thought I was so going to talk about we ended up producer. <laughs> <laughs> the audience was waiting. Suspense. <laughs> but I want to know what the difference between all of those things are. Consulting producer almost sounds more of like a kind of like, I don't know, 
courtesy, if you will. But I feel like there's probably some type of job to it. But what well, are producers? You know what? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I know that EPs, uh, I mean, it's so weird. Like the way that producers break down in America is so different from the UK. But, you know, there's producers who are whatever called producing producers, the ones who actually help you make the project get it on screen make everything happen with locations and everything and money and the whole thing that's what i consider a producer um but in america you also your writers are also producers and eps and co-eps and all the other stuff so then it becomes a little more confusing because then you have creative producers and non-creative producers not not that the non-creative producers are any less creative than the creative ones to be honest but um so it is very confusing and and in short i don't know (laughs) Okay. Okay. I wish well, I could I'll have tell to you more depth. I'll have to get somebody on here. Well, I think honestly, <laughs> I think a lot of it is kind of negotiation, and I think it's just like you know they go. So the the more senior the writer, the more likely they are to be an EP or a full producer. And then I bet those I, I don't know I haven't looked at the credits for Parks and Rec, but I would I would think that the more junior writers were co EP co producers or whatever yeah yeah well i mean amy and mike sure and greg daniels were producers from the beginning so i would understand that they are like the executive ones that kind of have the final say and they're kind of putting a lot of their energies and thoughts and creative uh decisions into it but then there's a ton of um on imdb saying consulting producer so i'm wondering if that's just someone who comes up and is like well maybe if you did that instead of this kind of thing like again consulting maybe yeah, I maybe. Know. I don't know. It's just a good question. So I'm going to find somebody and I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that I know the answer. That's just definitely a shortcoming. I apologize. No, um, I mean, I asked a producer question to a director, so I just wasn't sure if you perhaps knew. So. <laughs> you know, I say to my very narrow lane. <laughs> good. I mean, like, look. They're like, we don't need any more producers on this project. Just direct, podcaster, <laughs> and then go home. I know 30 Rock actually has a joke about that where like Lauren Michaels uh, name comes up first and it's very meta where it's like, you know, that's just like for ego, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't comment on that, but yes. Yeah, (laughs) no comment. Yeah, no comment. And then, okay, so back to the locations of this. Do you get a say in where things are filmed? Like, do you get that? Or is it the absolutely. first ADs doing Yeah, so the, no, no, that's absolutely the director. So the director will go out on a scout with the, uh, usually with the art director and the location manager and the AD. And you'll look at, I don't know, say for Leslie's house, we probably saw five or six houses. And then we'll just discuss whether logistically it's good, creatively it's good, you know, whatever else, whether okay. it fits the script. And then I'll go back to, we'll, we'll go back and we'll say to Greg or Michael, whoever, um, this is the house we picked. This is why we think this is the one. Are you happy for us to use that house? And then they'll say yay or nay. Um, Who finds those six houses? You say The location the manager. So. Uh- Oh, I want to be a location manager. <laughs> what do you want? You'd be good at that. I, I, I said, I want to be a location manager. That so would be really stressful, thing. but fun. It sounds fun until you actually are looking after the street that the house, if the film crew is filming it. Oh, and all the neighbors come up to start too. yelling at you. And they're like, and we're still filming at midnight and everyone wants to go to sleep. And so then I feel like it's sometimes a fun job and sometimes not fun at all. Yeah. The paperwork slash like, Corralling everyone doesn't. I think corralling, yeah, dealing with the neighborhood probably not easy. But um, yeah, so we definitely found all the locations in any of the episodes that I did. We would have found. I don't think we were given anything, with the exception, obviously, of the permanent standing sets and you know, so Leslie's house, Anne's house, and and the office. So it was you guys who had the idea for her house being in Altadena or Pasadena or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Did they go back to that house then in later seasons? 
We talked about that, and they really don't. Um, they mostly go to Anne's house um, yeah. and April and Andy's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then when when Ben and Leslie share a house, oh, we yeah. go a couple times. We say that but, nice big house. And it was the same house? Yeah. I don't know. It's not the same house. It's a yeah. different one. It's one that Ben and Leslie share. Oh, that's right. I remember that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's, that's definitely not the same. Yeah. So we never went back there. Oh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Sad, I remember I know. Fondly. <laughs> I do, <did> too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, Maddie, what, kind of, I know you had some, like, nerdy stuff that you wanted to ask as well, so I'm happy to... I, liter- I literally just had a question in my brain, and it left. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's happening. That's okay. But I, I have one from, like, the very beginning of our conversation when you said that you went to school for architecture and history. Yes. Did you... you do you use that ever when you're scouting location or when you're planning film like do you feel like you use it or you're like why did i go to school for that no i think that's a legitimate um uh you know a legit legit question and i definitely think they're connected and i don't always know how like i think there must be something about an appreciation of structure maybe that kind of ties in between architecture and film um there is definitely something in me that connects the two. So I definitely think you're onto something. It's And it's not immediately obvious, if that, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm actually really happy that I did not study film and TV or media at, at university, just because I feel like my whole life has been it now. And I'm like, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, so I'm happy that I studied something different. And when I go on holiday to you know Europe or wherever, I... I'm happy that I do know something about the buildings and about the history of architecture. And I do understand a little bit about the history of Europe and whatever, rather than just knowing even more about film and TV and what, you know, why Falcon Crest was mm-hmm. more successful than Dynasty or whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I will say that actually thinking a little more and we're not, yeah, sort of thinking about TV in general and about why I ended up here. The, when I was a kid, I remember watching American TV and American TV was the absolute gold standard for us. And I, I feel like the first shows we ever watched, and I know that they're kind of joke shows, but for us, they were kind of not joke shows, was like mm-hmm. Baywatch and and Knight Rider. And I just yes. remember thinking everything about America looked so cool. I was like, <laughs> the greatest country on earth, clearly. England sucks. America is the best. Obviously. And so we start, so it started off like that. And then I feel it became, like we as kids said that too. We Sometimes oh. I looked at shows and I was like, where is this? Why don't I, we live there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's true. We were looking at California, right? For the most, of course, part. of course. And, but I understand um, what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that, that somewhere deep down in that psyche as well, growing up watching those, and then get, get getting more into the American stuff, and then I remember being obsessed with Friends and with Frasier um, when I was at university, and just thinking that they were the best shows ever. Friends is actually um, my favorite show. Oh, it's so good. I can quote it. And that must so have been amazing for you to have worked with Marta then. Yeah, Marta's the queen great. herself. Gonna, the only mistake I've ever made with Marta, I think, she and I get on so well and I adore her. She's just a dream to work with. But I do <laughs> I do remember her saying, what's your favorite? Which is one day. And I was, I was in my defense, I was directing and I was thinking about a lot of things. And yeah. Stressed. Too much going uh, on. Yeah, she said, I think she said to me, What's your, what do you think is the best comedy ever on American television? And I think she expected me to say something like, I love Lucy, or I don't know what it was. And I said, Frasier. And she was like, oh. And I, could say, I didn't <laughs> know. At least know you didn't say Seinfeld, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. She, I could have said anything except Frasier because Frasier and Friends, I didn't know this, had a huge rivalry. And Frasier oh. won all of the awards and Friends won almost nothing. And even though Friends oh, wow. was more popular, ultimately, I think Fra- they always... I hope I'm not like being indiscreet, but I think they no. always felt like 
Frasier got all the awards and Friends mm. got, you know, all the viewers. And it was, I think they, they sort of felt like the inferior, the inferior sh- show in a weird way. Um, huh. Even though, you know, history is, well, actually history has been kind to both of them. I could rewatch any of those shows any day and totally love them. I would have thought yeah. it would have been more like Seinfeld and Friends, more like rivals, but I guess they were just more of the same bread, I feel. Well, you know? I don't know. I don't, was Seinfeld on it? Well, Seinfeld was on it at the same time as Friends, but so was Frasier, right? Yeah, I think it, it was. I, th- I mean, Friends was I on ten right. seasons, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, ten seasons. Uh-huh. And Fra- mm-hmm. Fra- Frasier was on for what? I couldn't tell you. I honestly, no, but probably don't close know. to the same. I'm sure. Oh well, my god! Yeah. By the way, it's fun piece of trivia. You might like this, and I didn't yes. remember this. Um, in Grace and Frankie, I don't know if you ever watched it, but anyway, there's there's Lily. No, wait, Jane's assistant. Is it Jane's assistant or Lily's assistant? Anyway, whoever it is, um, is a wonderful, she's called Joan Margaret in the show. It's a wonderful actress called Millicent Martin, who is, I think, I'm right in saying, forgive me, I should never say a lady's age, but is definitely older than Jane and um, Lily by quite a lot. Hmm. And she was Daphne's mum in And I had oh, okay. Been- I didn't realize it for the long Daphne's time. mom in Frasier. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And she is so funny in Frasier and such a legend. And she's still the most wonderful, brilliant, fantastic. I just, anyway, I love her. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. In case anyone awesome. who knows and loves Millicent Martin as much as I do. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, now I'll have to keep oh. my eye out for her more. So. She's a legend. That's so incredible. Wow. Well, would you say that there was like um, a a hard pivot for you after you graduated or after you realized that architecture slash history wasn't your thing or that you wanted to do film? Like, because we've talked to quite a few people, um, especially in this industry where they're like, you know, I either don't want to do this or I do want to do this. So let me like move out of what I was doing. You know what I mean? So I think for me, I had figured out before I finished my degree that I did not want to be an architect. Um, mm. And I also think I probably would have been a terrible architect. Um, so I knew as soon as I left university, I applied for it. I started applying for jobs in the entertainment industry. And the very first job that I got was researching a documentary about James Bond. And it was during the making of the movie GoldenEye with Pierce Brosnan. And okay. so I got to research all of the James Bond films, read all of the James Bond books, meet all of the James Bond actors and all of the guest stars and everything and interview them. And I was like, well, this is clearly the greatest job in the world. I mean, I'm on set of a James Bond film, watching him yeah. drive his present, dive, drive tanks through walls at least in the studio. And I was like, this is amazing. This I have to do this for the rest of my life. So it was definitely, you know, my first job, although, you know, a researcher is not the most, you know, not the highest on the totem pole. It was a dream, an absolute dream for me. And to this day, I, I credit that with keeping me, you know, mm. the, the thing that sort of propelled me into knowing that this was going to be the lifetime of, of a lifetime spark. career. Yeah. How does... Yeah. um. How does a director get an agent, um, you know, for the directors, if there's any potential directors out there or, you know, for my purely just interest, um, how did you get yours? I have no idea. <laughs> I, well, just, was it before or after you made your short film? Like, were you already it must making have been, stuff? It must have been after I made my short film. And I doubt it was as a result of my short film. <laughs> I, so I suspect that it was... It must have been after I got my first TV show, I think. And I, I, I guess that's what happened. And I, it's a great did question. Did you get your TV show on your own? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, but I'd worked with the happen. star of it for a long time okay. producing his stuff. Mm. And then I think what happened was we did the pilot with another director. And then that director fell out for some reason. I can't remember why he had other commitments or something mm. happened. 
He's called Simon Delaney. He was a lovely guy. And um, he pulled he pulled out or couldn't do it. And I remember saying, I remember saying to Jack D, who was the star of it, I think I think I could do this. I think I'd be really good at it. Will you let me do it? And I think after much discussions and many people saying this is a mistake, they did they did <laughs> let me. Um, and so, so I think cool. from there, I think from there, that was I think that's how I got an agent. But I but I genuinely honestly don't don't really remember that being wild a moment. I do, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when you do these shows with like people that you know, obviously, um, I'm sure there are shows that you didn't really know a ton of people. But I'm also wondering, like, the reason I say that is because I'm wondering if you knew any of the writers of any of the shows that you directed. Like, did you know Dan before at all or like anyone else? Like, does that make a difference if you know the writing or the tone of who who is, you know, Putting definitely, these, yeah. These I mean, I definitely, on the page. yeah. I definitely think it's easier going back for a second, third, fourth, fifth, however many time um, on a show because, as you say, you do know the writers. Sometimes I do know some of the actors, and that's just from having worked for a long, long time here. Um, so I've been lucky enough to work, you know, on multiple different shows with Will Arnett or who, whoever it is, and and yeah. so that makes things a lot easier because you know how they work and you can interact very quickly with them. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think who who else, but. Um, knowing that I don't think I didn't know Dan before, I don't think, but I, okay. but I immediately liked Dan a lot. He's, he was, he's great and so fun and easygoing, so smart. Um, and I'm trying did to, did you think. ever direct any Brooklyn nine nines? I didn't, before? they did talk to me about it, but I didn't, I think it might've been the same. I don't know why. I don't know why I like Brooklyn, Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, it's great. I didn't do any, um, I would have done, I don't know, maybe it conflicted with something else that I was doing or yeah. I don't remember, but it was definitely, it was definitely a very busy. Yeah. It was, it's been busy since I arrived in America. Actually. <laughs> I'm sure. Nonstop, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering if that makes a difference. Like if you, you know, who it, writes it? Yeah. Um, it does I mean, make a there's difference. a real world in my head where like maybe it doesn't matter so much, you know? No, but- it does make a difference because the writer's with you all the time on set by and large. Mm, that's so true. If you share a common goal or a mutual respect, that makes things a lot quicker and easier. Um, if you don't agree with the writer, you know, I think that can be tricky. And I have had that happen before. And I also have had writers who I think want to be directors and probably mm-hmm. they feel like directors who want to be writers are the most annoying in the world. I would, I would not say I'm a director who wants to be a writer. I don't think I'm a strong writer and I, I pitch jokes a lot, but I don't, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not into pitching storylines and stuff like that. I would never do that. So, Interesting. Um, okay. so yeah, I think that your, your connection with the writer is very important um, on a day-to-day basis. And, and I also, you know, I do feel like you do have a responsibility towards them and the whole crew to make sure that the show you know they're they're only going to film the show once you know what i mean it's like you don't you and you're getting given given the script of you know say you get practice date you're like okay here's here's this script no one is ever going to redo this it's like well it's unlikely um and so you i i find that you have a responsibility to deliver the absolute best possible version that you can within you and with the with the you know sort of confines of whatever it is, finance or time or, you know, the actors or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. to, to make sure it's the best possible version of it. Cause you really do get one shot. You get multiple takes, but you get one shot. <laughs> yeah. You have the best version. Of it. 
Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of leads me to my question of like, was there something that you connect them of this? I guess it sounds vague if I say it out loud, but is there something that you connect the most with directing? Like, is there a reason why it drives you or it fuels you so much? Um, when you say something, you don't mean subject matter. You mean like, is there a, is there a reason why directing appeals? Yeah. Like or, what do you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, why do question. you do this kind of, you know? I got you. Yeah, yeah. So I think that for me, the appeal of directing is to be honest, it's to be part of a team. And I think that mm. it's very much for me, the, the, the thing that I love about it is that kind of feeling of putting on a show of, you know, everybody pulling together as a team to create and elevate and do something, uh, you know, sort of uh, in a group experience and then and try and deliver something that will make hopefully millions of people laugh and or let them relate to it or cry or whatever else it is. So for me, the director is not really the top of anything. It's very much more about sort of juggling the balls and keeping or trying to keep everybody kind of happy and feeling like you're progressing and that you are achieving something and that your day is going well and I don't know, just just trying to bring out the best in every department. So that's why I've, I sort of feel like it's my responsibility to, even though I don't have a view really on hair and makeup or, you know, rarely I have a view on wardrobe and things like that. They're not things that are the things that I really, really focus on, mm-hmm. whereas location and production design are things that I care a lot about and casting and script. But um, I've, I always listen to, you know, I always try and surround myself with people who are better than I am. And so, yeah, I mean, that's thing, what they say that, you know, the the most skilled people do so they can learn think, from them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I would never claim to know better than any of these people about any, you know, the props props master is always going to know more than me about props. Um, yeah. So, or whoever it is. So um, I, you know, I always try and bring out the best in those people. And hopefully, hopefully they would say that. I hope I have a... Yeah. Um, yeah well, have I you mean, talked to anybody who said that I was a horrible director? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I want you. If you do, if you do find that, um, let me know, and I'll and I'll go on and do a head to head with them because I think that I am. I want to go down in Hollywood as being the nicest director there is. Oh, so okay, we're I, starting here. Yeah, this is what I'm. Yes. Trying, I'm aiming for. I don't want to. Nobody needs to say I'm talented. I just want people to say he's the nicest director Aww. ever. Well, we're getting that right now. So yes, okay, well, I'll let everyone kind. else know. Everyone else that we've interviewed or like heard from uh, on Leslie's House or Practice Date hasn't said anything terrible at all. So I think we're good. Anything terrible? <laughs> but they've said mildly bad. No, tell no, me for real. I want to know. Oh, Give me I'm this being honest. They, they haven't really said anything about it, like wow. about the director. But I think wow. that's also because I wasn't really asking for that, like pointedly. I was asking. Mm-hmm. F- about Amy Poehler, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's so fun. We will now. It's, what do they say? It's better. It's better to be talked about than not to be talked about at all. Oh no, they didn't. No, even I mention. don't believe that. I oh don't no, like that. I'm a. I'm a less than a side note in history. I don't even exist. <laughs> no, well, I shouldn't have said could... anything. <laughs> Every person perfect. said you were the most amazing director they've ever worked with, and you were super nice and friendly. This sounds correct. Everything you're saying sounds so correct to me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell myself every day. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, oh, speaking man. of you, you mentioned subject matter. Like, do you have a favorite subject matter or is it mo- or genre, I suppose, besides comedy or is comedy kind of like your most fave? Uh, do you mean just to watch or to direct? To direct, to direct. Um, 
do I have a favorite soundtrack? I know you uh, said dark comedy was like yeah. also like your main thing I think as so. well. I mean, but... I think if I'd stayed in the UK, my guess is that I would have ended up, I mean, if I got lucky enough, but doing something like Fleabag. Um, like, I feel like mm-hmm. that kind of That's comedy, that kind of dark, show. edgier, slightly sicker comedy. Or maybe if I got really lucky doing something like Killing Eve. Um, which oh, is, yeah. You know, I need to watch the rest of that. Thing, but very, you know, it's funny. It's just very sick as well. So I think that's where I would have gone. Um, And I think maybe, I don't know, there's something about directing comedy that's really fun. Like, I mean, it's not a huge surprise to find out that directing, you know, really heavy um, scenes with people screaming and blood and whatever is not a fun experience for anyone, really, I don't think, anyway. Certainly not in my experience. You know, doing the Dana Radcliffe thing, I would drive home at the end of the night, so I, and I know this sounds might sound somewhat pretentious, but I would feel kind of sick having spent the whole day watching Daniel soaring off, a, you know, a, a kid's leg, even though it's fake and whatever else. It's that doesn't just, sound pretentious at all. That sounds completely mm-mm. normal. It sounds natural. I mean, it's just, it's really gross. And it's like, I can't help but some element of that just stays in my brain. That's why I don't watch horror films and stuff like that, because I'm like, not because I think about the director or the crew or anything like that, but I just don't want, don't want to have that imagery in my head. I'm like, if I want... Mm-hmm. If I want I'm to fall asleep and dream about any show I've done, it's Parks and Rec. It's like, that's the world I want to be in in my dream. I want to Same. be hanging out with Leslie and Andy. I don't want to be hanging out in, you know, some dark world where people get their legs cut off. <laughs> that's not weird, <laughs> right? I think, I'm, I think I make sense. No, it absolutely. Yes. I'm not the biggest fan of the gore either, except for like in maybe like Lord of the Rings or something like this, like Game of Thrones. I'm like not mad about it. You know what I mean? But that's yeah. not really horror. That's more so fantasy, which I'm cool with. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. I agree. That's not really horror. Although Game of Thrones, yeah, did have some edge for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was a Wait, crazy show. What other, aside from Parks and Rec, what other shows have you done? You say that Friends is your favorite. So have you done a deep dive on Friends as well? No, not yet. Uh, I mean, I say yet because we're going to do all of the episodes of Parks. So um, I'm not really sure. I don't know, man. I almost don't even want to touch Friends because it's so sacred to me. But and I've learned so many things like with the, um, you know, just all the behind the behind the scenes stuff that I like to learn. Plus, I just watched that HBO Max reunion situation, which is super great. Um, Yeah, I should watch that. I think I would enjoy that. I don't know why I didn't watch it yet, but I didn't. Oh, it's great. It's great. I cried. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I will. I'm sure. I mean, granted, I was drinking wine heavily because I was like, I can't, but it was. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I would. That's the way to do it. <laughs> well, they do this scene, and it's not a spoiler or anything, but they do this like cut scenes of, um, well, I guess it's not scenes, but it's like people from across the globe that sent themselves in like videos in saying like, you know, friends saved my life at this point in time because I was really depressed and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's all over the world um, from different countries. And so that was like, oh my God, this is just like really showing how the beauty of art connects people, no matter what language Mm -hmm. you speak, no matter, you know, what religion you are, like comedy and music and art draws people together and that's that you know 100 percent. yeah 100 that's really interesting i gotta i gotta watch it yeah um, can i ask a favor for a second can yes. i get a brief break just to do my emails because i've got some i've got an edit that's going to sound and color tonight yeah and well we're it. actually i'm almost you, done here oh, okay yeah sure okay 100 percent Maddie, what about you? Did you have? I just had, I had one other question because this is what goes through my head. Because I, in in the four years I was in school, I was part of a film scoring orchestra in in school. That's great. And 
it was fascinating to me. Like there were days I left the studio and I was like, I want to do this for real, for real. And I'm, I just don't think I'm a good enough violinist to do that. But anyway, I was like, I wonder what that process is like the film scoring aspect of it. Like how much of your input as a director, this is more like film, but like, do you get to put in on the music or do you just kind of step back and you're like, whatever you write, we're, we're putting in there. So I think that's a good, that's a good question. Again, it does. It definitely um, depends on whether it's a, you know, film commercial or TV. So I feel with TV, the director, we tend to just get given like a bin of stings and little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And then we're, we're allowed to put in commercial tracks as well. And if they decide they want to pay for them, great. If they don't, they don't. Um, And, um, so that's t- that's the majority of TV stuff is like they've already picked the composer. You have all the kind of beds of previous episodes that they've had, and you just take stuff and you temp it in, and then they'll down the line they'll score to picture. Um, but you're mm. we're not heavily involved with that. With commercials and film, we pick the composer before we even start. Usually before we even start filming, and they will be watching the dailies as they come in and mm. thinking about stuff. So I'm actually going through this process right now. Um, wow. for the movie that I've just done. And Jermaine, our composer, who, who did Coming to America 2 and various other things, is keeps oh, nice. you know sort of coming to me with pitch ideas for, you know, why don't we do a little bit of school here or try this here or do whatever. And and so we are, yeah, it's, that's a very um, heavily involved process. And it's a lot of meeting and listening to stuff. And it's fun. It's a bit like maybe even going back to that question you asked earlier about what appeals about being a director. You have to be a little bit good, a little bit good at everything. So... Uh, or you, you, at least you have to be prepared to learn a little bit about everything. Mm. So with music, I'm I'm reasonably musical, so I so I feel like I can have a good conversation with, um, you know, with Jermaine, our composer. But for example, with makeup, I don't understand. I don't know a single thing about makeup, and I know I know vaguely what mascara and lipstick is, and that's it. I'm laughing. <laughs> yes. But if so, when I'm talking to a makeup artist and I want somebody to, you know, I I don't I can't, cannot in any way articulate clearly what I the process that I want them to apply the only thing I can say is when I see this person on screen I want to feel this way Mm. Mm. so um that is an extremely long answer to your question about composing no but it's great but I think it it, that is um a valid way I think of responding to anybody's question that ever comes up to you on a film set and how says how do you want something the answer is well unless it's about food um, the, the, the answer can be, this is what I want the viewer to feel at that point. Got it. You, however so you want to interpret that is up to you. That's awesome. Wow. Mm. That's cool. Yay. Okay, well, the very, very last question that I ask all of our guests is, out of all the characters in Parks and Rec, who would you say that you resonate the most with slash feel like you are a version of this person or maybe who you want to be? What a great question. Uh, <laughs> For example, I resonate the most with Leslie and Maddie is an Anne. Um, and we both have qualities of each of them, um, but we that's who we resonate the most with. So if you had to pick, and it can be Alexa Softcastle, even though she only had one line. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I would love that. Um, I think that I... <laughs> I think that I want to be like Les. No, I think that I want to be like Anne. I think I'm probably more like a cross between Leslie and Andy. <laughs> I, I love that. I know. Awesome. I really am dumb sometimes. And um, <laughs> no. I definitely am. And I think I'm, I have a good heart, but I'm occasionally misguided like Leslie. 
And but I mm-hmm. want to be like Anne, who is smart, kind, compassionate, and loving. And um, so that's the the goal is Anne. The reality is somewhere between Leslie and and Andy. I love that answer. Oh my god, yeah, that's good. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being here, Alex. Oh my god, we had the best time. Thank you for nerding yeah, out with awesome. us and being so wonderful. We really appreciate it. Honestly, I'm thrilled to be here. I feel very, very honored. And and the second my agent sent me the email, and was like, "You interested?" I was like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Of course. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I had to have a shout out to your agent because she or, was it a she or he? I can't remember. I'm he, sorry. He, I he, think it went to it either went to Josh or Matt. I'm not sure which one. Okay. But I, well, they. Yeah. I'll say they. They were so kind to me as well. They were like, "Yeah, I'm." I'm sure you'd love to do it. Let me just double check kind of thing. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Do you know what could be a good thought for you? I'm just going to throw it out there. Yes, so not this is the podcast. I wonder if you could talk to, I don't know if it's in here, the camera lady who did, if she's still want, working in the industry, yes, yes, who did Pops, absolutely. because she was honestly one of the best camera people I've ever worked with in my life. At the time, it was more unusual to work with a female, you know, camera operator. Of course. Um, to be honest. And she was, she may even have been the very first female camera operator I ever worked with. But I remember her being just unbelievably brilliant. I want to talk to camera people as well. They are such a backbone. Oh my God, they're amazing. But particularly on this show, let me just see real quick if I can see. I'm going to lose my mind. Because I would recognize her name. Okay, this is cinema. Shauna. Shauna. I think is it Shauna? Malway Tweep. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Wait, does it have all the cameramen? It must do, right? Yeah, they usually have the full crew on there. Is it maybe um, if you have time, you could look under your call list? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I probably have my unit list. In fact, I'm sure I have my unit list because I keep them for every show. Um, I will I will have a look and see. Um yeah, I'll I'll let you know. I just I just suddenly okay. thought about her, and I'm like, she was an exceptional an exceptional talent, or is an exceptional talent, and I just think she could be a really fun person to talk to because you know I, I think that perspective of a, of you know a, a, a camera woman in what was unfortunately is not any longer a male dominated world, yeah, and somebody with that much skill who really is part you know as as much a part of the show as anyone could be yes. a really fun person to talk to. Oh my gosh, I would love that. And I would also really like to talk to her about the strike that just happened. So I yeah, don't know yeah. everything. Oh, they know? Things. Yeah, she'll know much more than me. All, <laughs> I did was, all I did was empty my office, as I was told to, and then, <laughs> and then came back the next Monday with all my stuff. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Um, no worries. Well, listen, but this yes, has been so great. You guys are amazing. Please don't put any, anything that makes me seem terrible. Um, um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> Nothing in this. I, th- I love how thoughtful you were, but there's literally nothing mm-hmm. in this episode that would be that way. But however, okay. I will say I do send every guest the episode before I post it, so oh, cool. you can listen to it if you want to. But if not, I'll just take out whatever you had said to, and you know, oh, all amazing. That stuff. I mean, no it'll doubt. be wonderful. I don't remember I mean, saying. There will. I mean, literally, there will. There, I could just play it from top to bottom, and it'll be fine. But oh, <laughs> yeah. Bless you. But thank That's you very, so much. This sweet. literally made our day and oh, our yeah. whole week, and we just wish you the best of luck. We will post all of the uh, links to like trailers or anything, um, especially for senior year. But yeah. um, the one that's going to color tonight is that for senior years. That's senior else? year, yeah. Okay, awesome! Yay! Yeah. Well, have fun looking at those Amazing. and your emails. Well, and thank uh, you so much, Alex. No worries. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Have a great night. Thank you. You, you too. too. Keep you touch. soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 I almost texted you in the middle of that. I was like, I love him so much. Uh, I can't. I am smitten. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie, Holly. And we don't have to put this in the podcast, but I was feeling some major vibes. <laughs> I am smitten.
Mitten. I will put that in the podcast. Although he has kids and I don't know if he's married. But Alex, if your wife is listening or if you're listening, you don't have to take that for for what that it is. sounded it sounded like godchildren. Oh. He oh. said godchildren. Oh, okay. And he's only 18 years older than you. I Googled it while we were talking because I was like, this is meant to be. That is hilarious. Oh, my God. Well, regardless, regardless, aside from all of that, uh, he is so fun and so thoughtful and nice and kind. And he wanted to answer all of our questions in such detail. And like the way that he was like making sure that he phrased everything correctly so that he didn't like offend or hurt anyone was really sweet and generous to me, I feel. We have to name this episode the nicest director in all of Hollywood. <laughs> yes, literally. <laughs> I know. I have to put it in some kind of... I'll put it in our show notes and I'll, I'll figure mm-hmm. out a shorter way. We'll figure out a shorter way to like label it this way. <laughs> Maybe that can be his like name. You know how I do Andy Forrest, a.k.a. Kyle? I can be like mm-hmm. Alex Hardcastle, a.k.a. nicest director in town. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. So, but oh my gosh, that was so fun. We're so excited. And yeah, I'm glad that he brought up his agents and how he got in touch with us or how I got in touch with mm-hmm. him because that I said that last episode where I um, messaged them and they were just so kind and, and like immediately forwarded it on. Um, and so I'm, and, and I'm glad that he gave us a recommendation. So hopefully that camera lady will, um, and I have his email, so I'll follow up with him. Like if he can find his set list or um, not set list. Oh my gosh, his cast list, call list, call sheet mm-hmm. thing. Uh, if it had her name on it, because I would love to talk to her. That'd be great. So I love it. Anyways, um, so I actually I don't think that I've mentioned this part, um, like as far as scheduling goes. But this will come out should be on the 18th and then the following week. So next week, by the time you're listening to this, will be Thanksgiving. So we're not going to have a podcast on that week. Yeah. Because <laughs> that'll be Thanksgiving and we need to be celebrating slash hanging out slash doing whatever you want to do. If you don't celebrate, totally fine. But you have a day mm-hmm. off, hopefully, and that you can just rest and reflect. Chill. Um, we may or may not post a like a repost of something, but probably not. <laughs> I'll probably just no, leave it. No, because I want Holly to be just with her family yeah. slash friends and not worry about posting anything yeah I mean I can always schedule it and not have to worry about it on that week but whatever I don't think that there it, you can just go back and listen to whatever you want to listen to um but yeah so I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk to him and then hopefully um honestly my next like person that I would love to speak to is not only the camera lady but I really well who am I kidding I want to talk to everybody but I'm mm-hmm. thinking about a producer like I really want to know what their job yeah. is I'm so interested um and honestly the producers that on this show are Amy Poehler and Mike Schur and Greg Daniels so come on <laughs> over <laughs> no I'm sure there's more but <laughs> let's go for it but uh but anyway so well uh that's all I have left to say about that part are you do you have anything else to say I don't. I'm just really happy with how that went. Me too. I am so grateful to Alex. Thank you to him and his team. Thank you, listener, for being here. Um, if you haven't, like I always say, if you haven't rated or reviewed or uh, downloaded, if you are just playing them and not downloading them, we would love your downloads as well. Um, and yeah, that really helps us out and, uh, you know, to get us in the algorithm. And the next episode, I believe, that we will review is going to be um, Sweetums, which was written by mm-hmm. Alan Yang. Um, so so that would be fun if I could chat with him or if uh, he would have a voice memo to send us. But if not, then we'll just speculate wildly, as I say. <laughs> as yes. In, as I and Joan say. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, so check out um, Senior Year. Check out all the other things that Alex is doing. But for now, we thank you, and um, we hope you have a very wonderful Thanksgiving. And we'll see you um, in December. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. There's a park and some pals, and there's also therapy, too.